You are listening. You're listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Jack Ryan, Shadow Recruit, to discuss this movie with you. Maybe you've seen it. Maybe you haven't. If you haven't, don't leave yet. Uh, I am Tom Chick, and I have here to discuss it with me, Christian Minsky. Minzinski. Just refer to me as Snowball. And with a Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit tagline, Kelly Wand. Uh, more like dumb of all mirrors. <laughs> is that was that the only uh, one in the running for this week, Kelly Wand? Wow. Yeah, I figured I'd go out with a bang. <laughs> Get it? Because spies. Uh, all right, so Kelly Wand. Um, He's a spy, then. Is what g- give us that one again. I think that one's so good we should hear it twice. What? The tagline. Oh. Get it twice? More like dumb of all mirrors. <laughs> mm, see? That, that that almost says to me that Kelly Wan didn't like the movie. No, it doesn't mean that. Okay, well, hold that, hold that thought. Cause we I'm don't a complex to... man with complex opinions. Do you contain multitudes? No. Where do you put okay, them? Well, or opinions. Uh, we'll get to that in a moment. We don't, we don't want to spoil it for you. Maybe you, haven't seen, maybe you haven't seen Jack Ryan's Shadow Recruit. Uh, so before we talk about anything specific in the movie or give away any plot points, Dingus, why don't you just give us some, in very broad strokes, some information about uh. this that's Dingus' specialty. <laughs> I said that's Dingus' specialty. Uh, this week we saw Jack Ryan colon Shadow Recruit, mm-hmm. uh, originally known as Jack Ryan colon Shadow One. Really? What? Really? Yeah. That's Shadow. his name, his spy number. Shadow One. Shadow One. Huh. <laughs> that's kind of giving it away a little, and implying. Either he's starting out number one, he's the worst, or um, it just doesn't mean anything. <laughs> I think that's what it is. <laughs> well, tell me why you're assuming it was a number. It could be like an after-the-fact uh, observation. W-O-N. Yeah, yeah. Shadow one. That's true. Shadow could and shadow could be a verb. Mm. Oh, right, right, exactly. It could be his command. Yeah. I thought his name was quarterback. Could be like a mandate oh, given to him as a, as a recruit. I thought he was mandate. Was he quarterback or cornerback? Did James Bond look at spreadsheets when he started out? And then well, he gets a gun? That's a spoiler. We'll, we'll get to that shortly. Uh, okay, so Dingus, that's enough guff about the title. It, it, it did. It is Shadow Recruit. If you're going to the theater and you ask for a ticket for Jack Ryan Shadow One, no one's going to know what you're talking about. That'll be and considered guff by Tom and an Usher. It was also known as Shadow Guff. A 2014 American action thriller Jack Ryan film series reboot non-adaptation movie. Hmm. Ooh. About uh, an origin story. Hmm. It was directed by Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> Here we go. I didn't written, know that. Written by Adam Kozad. And yeah, David keep going, Dingus. Yes, what's his second name? David Coop. Huh, what do we know him from, Dingus? Uh, I don't think anything. There's nothing he's ever written. Some of his stuff, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be... He wrote Jurassic Park, come on. He also did the, the War of the Worlds adaptation for Steven Spielberg, but he's done a lot of dross. Well, yeah. even those are like, 
They're not good because of the writing. Well, we'll get to that shortly. Charles right, Sparks, so. he's got the book as a template. Right, exactly. Yeah. And Grandpa gets eaten by chickens in the book, so that's better than the movie. The, oh, because the raptors are birds? No, no, the little ones eat them. Although oh. they eat a kid in the second one, so that was kind of good. I should probably read that as soon as I get done with time code. I predict Jurassic World's <laughs> The Crystal Skull, the Jurassic Park Quartet. So, Dingus, what, was this an R-rated movie by any chance? It was not an oh, R-rated no. There wasn't okay. even any blood in it. Or uh, He was covered in blood at one point. Uh, that was he. That was a baking accident. Do you think that was hydraulic fluid from the crashed helicopter? It's tomato it's, juice. There's slight blood on a knife at one Yeah, that does, exactly. It's like a very discreet little daub, you might say. Yes. Blood on the knife. There's more blood in Bad Santa. Well, that's rated R, so you see. Yeah, that's menstrual blood. Dingus, no, he's talking about on the pickle, where the oh, kid cut his hand. Why isn't R a blood type that the Red Cross uses, since it's we, the MPAA uses it as a code? Well, Dingus, since this isn't R-rated, and I'm just not PG-rated, because there was some mild profanity, can I guess what the rating is? Well, first, uh, let me tell you that it, it's ba- it is based on characters by Tom Clancy, even though it's not... Oh, right, right, we're not done with the writers, sorry. Oh, we didn't... Yeah, go ahead, sorry. Planet of the Apes is rated G, the old one. Uh, and it, it stars Chris Pine... Kevin Costner, Colm Fiore, and an uncredited ballet dancer. Wait, Colm Fiore? What do you want about? What do you mean, what am I on about? Which one is Colm Fiore? Oh, his officer. That's who that guy was. Thank you, Dingus. His his boss at the at the his CEO at the firm. Right, his civilian boss, Colm Fiore. Right, that's right. that's his name. Thank you, Dingus. All right. And he good. plays a completely other guy in some fierce. Some well, of all. character actors, you know, you gotta you gotta grab them while the grabbing's good. Really, yes. And also an uncredited ballet dancer. Jack Ryan, colon, Shadow Recruit is rated? Tom? PG-1-3? It is PG-1-3. Sweet. Uh, before you explain why, what's this about the uncredited ballet dancer you're glossing over? Do you know who that is? Gemma Chan? The, the lead Russian guy is Mikhail Baryshnikov. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? What male guy? The lead Russian guy who uh, who he meets who the president guy that is not Mikhail Baryshnikov. That is Mikhail Baryshnikov, and he's uncredited for some reason in the movie. I guess because he wanted his cinematic career to peak at White Nights, <laughs> and he makes sort of... an, an adorable villain. That was really Mikhail Baryshnikov. That is Baryshnikov. Yes. Why would he... they not tell us that? I don't know. <laughs> well, I I have a theory. What's your theory, Kyle? Would it involve spoilers? Mm, no, involve the quality of the movie. Hold that thought. It is unstrained. And the ballet. If Kenneth Branagh is willing to take credit for directing it, I don't know what Baryshnikov's problem is. (laughs) All right, so Dingus, it is PG-13. Why on earth would it be PG-13? Because as Kelly Wand has observed, there is no blood in it. Uh, It's rated PG-13 for sequences of violence and intense action. Well, what? Yeah, I... uh, hmm. All right. And Uh, and brief, strong language. All right. Did we get an F-bomb? I don't think we did, did we? No, no, there's one. But you can never tell with with a Russian language. There was one strongly worded word in Russian that they <laughs> okay. translate. All right. Strongly worded. Yep. Uh, Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit opened its opening weekend at number four. Boom. What? In a soft, shitty January, even? Well, uh, the, we, have, we have a new number one January opening. It beat Cloverfield, and that is uh. Uh, uh, Ice Cube and Kevin Hart in Ride Along. <laughs> Wait, you're not. Lone Survivor's not 
Lone Survivor's holding strong. Lone Survivor's doing very well. That's at number two. Nut Job is number three. So uh, Shadow Recruit came in at number four behind What's those the first movies. One? Right along. Right along. It's a comedy with Ice Cube and, and Kevin Hart and their wacky uh, like their buddies. They they become buddies. They don't get along at first, but they go through a series of adversarial situations and learn to accept each other and become friends. I've never seen that in a movie before. It's it's bold, and that's probably why it's doing so well, Kelly Wand. <laughs> Yeah. That probably accounts for its forty-one million dollar. They should remake it, that premise with white people. Maybe that premise translates. I did not notice the color of any of the actors in this movie, Kelly Wan. I'm a little surprised that that occurred to you. But yeah, now that you mention it, I guess uh, there's a, maybe a, there might be a sort of a demographic skew to this movie. Who knows? I actually haven't seen it. I'm 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 deducing certain things about it from the trailer that Dingus and I have both seen and enjoyed. I like that you call it deduction, like it's complicated. <laughs> My son saw the uh, the poster for Ride Along, uh-huh. and then he said... Riot Along, did you hear how he said it? It's so racist. Okay, go on. Ride Along, Riot Unli- along. unlike the uh, Lone Survivor, which is Ride Alone. Um, and, and my son said, are you going to see that? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. It looks pretty dumb. He goes, well, what's it about? Said it? And I said, it's about a rookie cop who asks the sister of an older cop to marry him. And, and my son went, why would that other cop care? It's, he's not asking him to marry him. That's the, his first thought. Wait a yeah. minute. Can I also point out that the thing is you've misinformed your son. I don't think Kevin Hart plays a cop in the movie, does he? There's two cops. He's a yep. rookie. I don't think he's a cop. I think he's just a regular guy who's dating a cop's sister. And to endear himself to the cop's sister, he signs up for a ride along. Hence uh-huh. the name of the movie. You don't call when I. But dingus, the, the tagline you and says, I, if you and I were cops, dingus, and yeah, you were my partner, and you accompanying me on my patrol as my partner, can would I be not the be, Would not be a ride along. That would be your duty as an officer of the law. Ew. Yeah, but the tagline on the poster is rookie mistake. Mm. Well, it's a play on words, Dingus. Sometimes they use poetry for taglines. It's not. Mm. It's a metaphor, Dingus. Mistake. Sometimes they use poetry. Sometimes they're just touchy. <laughs> ah, yeah. Dingus referencing the movie. Very good. Let's get to this movie. Let's talk some more about it. So, oh, oh, I didn't explain to you how how it was received critically. Let's, <laughs> let's examine those numbers. Uh, this, Yay, math. Are, yeah, these are very boring numbers. We're going to just gloss over them and get straight to the synopsis. Metacritic, Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit, <laughs> fifty-eight. Like on ah, Rotten Tomatoes, it is at 63% positive. Ooh. Those are yeah. the most boring numbers we've ever seen on any yeah. critical reception for a or movie. Or this podcast. Yeah. So, Kelly Wan, let's get away from those numbers. Wait, and wait. Let's, yes. I had a quick question. Yes. Um, when we did the 10, top 10 podcast, and mm-hmm. you went, all right, everything gets a certain amount of points. Uh, right. We had a lot of math. Right, right. But then by the end, I th- did you tell what was like the number one point movie? Uh, I would have to check my notes, but I'm right. pretty sure it was Fruitvale, Fruitvale it? Station. Yeah. yeah, it was Fruitvale Station. Yeah. yeah. So right. we, it was the order in which we discussed them were their point rankings. All right. I just okay. All right. Glad we cleared that up, <laughs> Kelly Wand. What I would like now from you. <laughs> Nobody is... understands the data, but you. <laughs> Kelly Wand, leave the analysis to me. Uh, the mail station got the most math. Kelly Wan, you told me this would be a desk job. Uh, okay, just get yourself to Moscow, Kelly. Kelly Wan, it's not my unit. Not my unit, Kelly Wan. Get your unit out of my hand. Get your what's in my hand out of my unit. Remember Sherlock Holmes, Tom? You deducted that, didn't you? Kelly Wan, remember your, Kelly Wan, remember your tradecraft. <laughs> Is that from Conquistador? You are breaking protocol, quarterback. 
You know what? I don't know almost enough from this movie to to be an accountant. I mean, a spy. I mean, gay. <laughs> Kelly Ryan, what I would like from you is a Jack Ryan shadow recropsis. Oh, that's the smart money way to go. Mm-hmm. But what I wrote it was as for Jack Ryopsis, Shadopsis, Recropsis. That's way better. Uh, that's a lot of sis. All right, so Kelly Wand. Uh, but it de- was still Jack. So. Uh, Kelly Wand, I need you to develop harder. Is that, he say, is that how he says it? Faster. I did a different line reading, yeah, but that, that was one. from David Kep's script. Yes, I am citing lines from it. Is that how you say it? David Kep? I don't. I don't know. I've never talked. I've never been introduced to him. No so. script. <laughs> I thought it was a long eye. All right. Um, Jack Ryopsis, Shadopsis, Recropsis. <laughs> Man, fuck that economics class. Sleeping out here in the middle of the screaming mobs, way better, yo. Hey, can you lie me, fuckheads? Keep it down. I'm an American. Is Aaron Paul in this movie? <laughs> yeah. What the heck? I only do three voices: Aaron Paul East Coast, Aaron Paul West Coast, and when I think you'll see in a little bit in the oh, Far East. Oh, immediately. Yeah, my foreigner. <laughs> I'm an American. <laughs> Wait, now I can't do it. Damn you, Tom! <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I forgot to do Chris Pine. Yeah, that's what she said. Man, fuck that economics class. <clears throat> okay, that's about it. Man, fuck that economics class. Sleep out here in the middle of the screaming mobs way better. Hey, can you lie me, fuckheads? Keep it down. I'm an American. You're an American? Uh, yeah. That's why I'm in England studying economics. Hello. We're fucking awesome. That's why we bailed on you, dipshits. Your U stands for United. <laughs> Idiots. Hey, look, TV news is on. Everybody shut the fuck up. So today will forever be known as September 11th. You're still an American? Three words later. Yes, General, I know I'm just a lieutenant in economics, but I need to speak to the defense secretary about the importance of traffic conditions in Dubai now. (laughs) It was my thesis. No, I will not hold. Hello? You sure are cool, sir. Fuck Jeremy Renner. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I volunteered for this. Since I'm mentioning it, I guess none of you guys did. Uh, you see, private, I was teaching economics one morning. I forget the exact date. When all of a sudden, I yawned. One second, hello. Yeah? Who the fuck's this? Defense Secretary who? Traffic conditions in do where? Oh, yeah, right. Uh, actually, I'm about to jump out of a plane. This isn't a good time for this. I'll call you back. What's your number? And I'll just email you. Do bye-bye now. <laughs> JK. Anyway, where was I? Oh, so TV was on, and I was all, hey, I could jump out of a plane. So I hung up on the defense secretary, and the rest is history. Well, sir, aren't you our pilot? (laughs) One fiery crash later. Damn it, nurse, I thought this was a urinal, not Chris Pine's spinal column. Install a urinal in him, stat. Fuck, his face is pretty bad. He's never going to plausibly be handsome again. What'd he sleep on this time? His lieutenant's manual? Doctor, he carried two extras out of a burning helicopter. Guess you don't get to see it, though. With the broken back. Yeah, he tried to carry the helicopter also, safety, by the rotor. So we got to sew his fingers back on and tongue. Damn it, nurse, airlift this man to my herbalist in South Dakota. His pilot has a 90-minute window if his passenger ever wants to walk again. Well, son, do you want to walk again? Doctor, he's trying to stammer something. (laughs) 
Damn it, nurse, just give him a notepad. It's fucking taking forever. Uh, he wrote, please replace my pillow with an economics textbook. Come on, Chris. Just fall down 38 more times. You can do it. Soon you won't <laughs> even need me to kick you. Mr. Coster? Who's that guy with two legs down there whimpering for Percocet? <laughs> I really like the swagger of his stagger. Uh, according to this retcon chart, he watched 9-11 on TV at Oxford. Get me his file ASAP. Sir? As soon as possible. Yes, sir. Uh, they're in the file cabinet. Okay. Sir, did you steal this dog? I'm in the CIA. Hey, Skip. Sure looks like you want to have sex there with secretary number 38 in accounts. <laughs> How'd you know? Why else would anyone buy a motorcycle? <laughs> Whoa! It's like you're fucking Sherlock Holmes and Smog, bro. Why else you think I'm doing this blow? <laughs> so, Chris, how was Zapped this afternoon? Huh? Look, I promised you we'd watch that during our wedding vows. By the way, I gotta go to Russia to look at some spreadsheets. BRB! Welcome to Moscow, white man! God. <laughs> <laughs> That's how Kenneth Branagh talks. He's doing an accent. I can do an accent. Suck it, Branagh. Branagh. I'm Kenneth Branagovsky. This eunuch will be your assassin. I mean, bellhop. Fly your girlfriend in for dinner. Here is envelope. Go home, white man. Cool. By the way, nice painting of Rod Serling invading Napoleon. Or should I say, Red Serling. JK. By the way, you guys lost in Afghanistan, but we're never going to leave. Suck it. My only rejoinder is to snarl ineffectually, white man. Ring, ring. Go ahead, quarterback. Yeah, there's a dead black dude in my bathtub. Uh, I called room service. They told me to try you guys. Uh, also, have trouble finding a fourth porn channel. You're a financial analyst, quarterback. That's why you're still alive. Really? Can I say it was because that fat dude cocked his gun too loud? Kevin Costner's on a bench, quarterback. Go talk to him. Wait, hang on. Hang on. Give me some stationery. Okay. Is that K.E.? You're operational now, Chris. Here's a gun. Good luck. Uh, you want me to shoot my spreadsheets? Way ahead of you. I mean, Kira, what the... Yes, Jack, on impulse, I booked a 6,000-mile flight to Moscow and somehow found your hotel room and got inside. Now drop everything and come to Paris with me. I'm only a physical therapist. Mentally, never mind. By the way, there's dead black men in your tub. Although most of my fetish is a toilet themed, I appreciate the effort. Ready? Here's a wedding ring. Are you Ready? Oh, yeah, this is Kevin Costner, by the way. I think he's my boss, or the black guy is. Listen, you two, in the name of national security, I'm going to need your wife to have dinner with the Russian terrorists and trick him into hitting on her for exactly 10 minutes so this other chick can steal his Chili's gift card and break his computer to steal. Dad will have zero bearing on the rest of the movie. Are you both ready? Wait, you guys got a body disposed of and a hotel sink reports in six minutes, but now everything hinges on my doctor girlfriend's split-second timing and ability to seduce a Russian with her A-cups? No offense, honey. Just thinking of your safeties. Look, people, our only chance of getting out of this alive is either using taxpayer-funded resources or my half-baked plan. This isn't this means war, people. It's Tom Clancy. That means no women around messing shit up, besides your wife. <laughs> works for us now. Not that she'll be compensated. I'll do it. What am I doing? Stop car chase, white man! Jesus. Or I make you a nightly lick extension cord. 
think it's what I hear a Russian accent. No, I, I was fully expecting this one. Oh. They're, they're all in Asia. But for all of them. Nice try, Brian. But you forgot one thing. Locking your car door. <laughs> the only reason I don't fucking kill your ass right now is... I'll think of something. Dos Vidania. Don't worry, honey. You're safe now. As long as the most powerful, vindictive man in the Kremlin doesn't have any friends. He told me if I loved you to tell him everything, so I ignored him. Is the movie over? Are you crazy? We can't end the shit with a car chase. I'm the American James Bond. The like is a bureaucrat. Costner? Uh, you get to do the exposition, too. I'm just here to hand out guns. Well, uh, hmm. Okay, I'll figure it out. I got this. Let's see. Uh, yesterday, Brandon said something about fire engines being red. Wait a minute. Two plus two is four. Four times three is twelve. Twelve inches makes a ruler. A famous ruler was Queen Elizabeth. The Queen Elizabeth sails the ocean. The ocean's full of fish. Fish have fins. The fins fought the Russians, and that's why fire engines are red, because they're always Russian. That's it. He's in Pennsylvania. Turn this plane around. <laughs> a bunch of stuff in a van happens. <laughs> Nice work, Chris. We wrapped up with another car chase after all. <laughs> Good thing you're a financial analyst. Now, can you use that Boy Scout smile? I think the president's still Bush. Oh, wait, hang on. You might need this. A screener copy of The Postman? How'd this get greenlit? <laughs> I'm in the DGA. <laughs> Tom, I have a new Costner. Kelly Warren, that was Very awesome. Very exciting. I didn't I know loved, I Costner. I loved your Costner. If I'd known it was that good, I would have given him more lines. Oh, that was fantastic. Costner. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully we'll get more chances to see Costner movies. I'd like you to roll that out. And I was so glad to see the girl from Pacific Rim coming back. I, I, I've missed that voice. It's been a uh, while. It's supposed to be the main character, the white guy from Pacific Rim, but whatever, racist. What are you talking about? No, the, uh, you, Kenneth Branagh had the same voice as the, the, the cute Asian chick from Pacific Rim. I thought you did a great job. It, well, it really took me back. Channeling. Well, parts of Russia, Asia. parts of Russia do straddle Asia, Kelly Wand. Yeah, straddle. Kind of cowgirl. All right. Uh, dingus, we can talk about Don John another point. Oh, Kelly Wand, have you seen Don John? Let's do this. Let's do I've this. I've seen his son. In Miami Vice. Uh, I just watched Don John, and I really liked it, and Dingus told me not to see it. Well, he didn't He didn't recommend it as strongly as I felt he should have. The Joseph Gordon-Levitt thing. How much Scarlet's in it? Uh, a lot, and Dingus was really annoyed by her, but I think that's partly mm. intentional. Um, Wait, what? Well, yeah. the, the beautiful thing about Don John isn't Scarlett Johansson. It's, it's another actor who shows up halfway through the movie, and I think Dingus would back me up on that. Oh, if you yeah. don't know... If you don't know anything about Don John, no, it's not Dwayne Johnson. Uh, That would have been awesome. (laughs) Uh, If you don't know anything about Don John, just as as an alternative to your normal kind of romantic comedy, uh, what what a great job Joseph Gordon-Levitt did. Uh, And what a a treat when a particular actor comes in halfway through. The preview made it look like he uh, has to give up porn to have sex with Scarlett Johansson, which to me would be the one reason only to give it up. Dingus, why don't you address that? How, how true was that about Don John? Uh, that is absolutely true. What, well, about I, if it, what if it's Scarlett Johansson porn? There's no such thing. Oh. What, Tom? <laughs> yeah. Tom, unless, you, Tom. unless you're talking about her. Oh. Oh, Dingus yeah, meant the movie yeah, and not I the pronoun. Yeah. Wait, Dwayne Johnson play. I liked him as uh, Jack Ryan in the 
whatchamacallit, Patriot Games. Patriot Games, yeah. Dwayne Johnson's awesome in that, especially when he's giving an economics lecture to the Naval Academy. Remember Tom? <laughs> I have not seen... Danger. Yeah, I haven't seen any of those Jack Ryan movies until Dingus made me watch Hunt for Red October the other night. So I, I rewatched that and uh, then watched uh, Shadow Recruit. So that's that's where I stand on being able to talk about Jack Ryan movies in any sort of informed capacity. Um, he's not in it that one that much. It's not really about him. It's about Connery more. So it seems like a weird one to make you watch. Should have been one of the other ones. Dangus, do you have a rebuttal for that? You haven't seen already. Because that's just about submarines. That's a cool submarine movie, not Jack Ryan movie. Car chase. Shadow that's, where, that's where the character's introduced, so hello. That was his first appearance? Yeah. I've never read any... How many Clancy's have you read? I've read, like, Ludlum's, but not any Clancy's. I've read uh, most of them until he started letting other people write them, and they started to get ridiculous. Because um, he has this way of writing where he's constantly... Uh, stitching together threads from all these different areas of the globe, and then he started to be a parody of himself, and then you realized he had a bunch of ghostwriters. So, I heard it's just like a lot of, and I'm liking the Master and Commander books for kind of similar reasons, but it's just like a lot of techie jargon, like the submarine screw was loose, and then that's that chapter. I like the first few books. I mean, I really like, I love reading Hunt for October. I really liked Patriot Games and even Red Storm Rising, which is like... Doesn't he become president eventually? Is yeah, yeah. He uh, becomes president, and I think it's Dead of Honor, which is ridiculous. It's, he, he he begins to be a parody of himself by that point. But early early on in, in Red October and Patriot Games, it's really, they're pretty lean, clean thrillers. Huh. Tom sounds bored. Well, this this movie, the movie we just saw, is not an adaptation of any of his books. It's just this long, drawn-out uh, attempt to continue the series or the franchise. It seemed um, very generic and not similar. Like, I haven't read any Tom Clancy novels, but it didn't seem, very, it didn't seem like a similar character how he is in the movies. Well, I mean, it's it's an attempt to, make an, uh, to reboot and make an origin story of it, which I know the two of you often brook at. So... <laughs> We broke at it, I guess. But So uh, I'm guessing the two of you did not like this movie. Tom? Uh, well, I recognized from Hunt for Red October that uh, – because they the, in Hunt for Red October, the, the carrier commander references the events that they use for this reboot where the helicopter oh, crashes. Okay. Yeah, they definitely – as I was watching the movie, I was like, oh, I see what they're doing. They're just fast-forwarding this, and they're making it in Afghanistan. I forget. Was he supposed to have been in the Gulf War, Dingus, in Hunt yeah, for Red October? Is that the reference? It was in the med, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, it was the nine eleven in the real one? In the that hadn't happened yet, right? So what, what did he watch? Like Ray get shot? Nothing. That just doesn't that doesn't relate to it. He's um, just a normal soldier. He's a marine, and right. he's in a helicopter accident, and he has to rehab, and he moves on with his life and becomes rich because is of his wife. Is his wife a spy, too, like Kira Knightley? No, 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 not at all. His wife is a surgeon. She's an eye surgeon. And isn't she Dingus terrorized in one of the Harrison Ford movies? Like, doesn't his family get imperiled yeah, like in, at least, in at least one movie? Yeah, in Patriot Games, because the, the, the idea of that is that he disrupts an IRA attack on the royal family because they're in England. As a, and so to get back at him, Sean Bean comes to America to uh, exact revenge. Right. And because they're having a, a dinner at his house in Patriot Games, that will have uh, the royal the, that royal family will come to his house for dinner, and like 
other dignitaries. So the the IRA is going to exact revenge and and do their final plan. But yeah, they they uh, they attack the mother and the daughter when they're driving on the on the freeway in Washington D.C. And let's get a, an actor count. So so far, Alec Baldwin was the first Jack Ryan, then uh, Harrison Ford for three movies, then a Ben Affleck, and now this. Is that correct? Um, yeah. it's some Harrison of all fears was the last one. Yeah, some of all fears was Ben Affleck. Uh, Harrison Ford was Clear and Present Danger, Patriot Games. Is there another one? Air Force oh, One. There's only been five. This Air Force One. Air Force. One. <laughs> oh, stop. Speed was. Uh... Uh, yeah, okay, it's a better Russian accent, Kenneth Branagh or Gary Oldman. Mm, that's a tough one. Actually, I like Branagh's Russian accent. I was okay with that. Yeah, I felt like He's you know kind of the... his lips are so weird. He has the weirdest lips. Whoa, whoa! You're not going to kiss him, Dingus. You're just watching him in a movie. Uh, <laughs> I know what Dingus is saying. Uh, to answer Dingus's question, no, good lord, I didn't like this at all. Uh, Kelly Wan, are you going to are you going to give any? Anything I didn't read any of the Tom Clancy books, but I like all the movies for some reason because they're kind of complicated and he's different enough from James Bond. And in this, he seems very generic and none of the action was good and it all seemed like a crock of shit. Like it didn't seem, it didn't seem very complicated for a Tom Clancy kind of thing. Well, as Dingus mentioned, it clearly wasn't. Uh, so I don't know if that's a good or a bad. That, that was a big part of like that character's appeal to me. Was right. he was like partly Tinker Tailor Soldier spot? Like he had to. I don't know. Like he well, wasn't the, a tutor. Dingus, does this mean that you're going to go to bat for this? Did this work for you? Uh, I'm happy to go to bat for it. I liked a lot of it. Um, I think that these these Jack this Jack Ryan franchise series um, kind of uh, succeeds or fails based on how good the Jack Ryan is. And I think Chris Pine is a fine Jack Ryan. He's certainly, good lord, better than Ben Affleck. I mean. One of the shocks this week is I watched some of All Fears, and I've never seen it before, and I think it's really pretty good. Um, but he's just unbelievably bad. He's totally he Clancy wrong. Liked, like Clancy went, he's the best. He's the way I visualize it. You can't, whatever. Like, it, it's like watching a puppy play the part. He's like, oh, 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 oh. Dude, you're making that sound appealing. Yeah. I was into that. I like puppies. <laughs> yeah, puppies and Jack Ryan. It's awesome. Plus he fails, and he lets, like, a city gets nuked, and then he becomes president later. That's kind of interesting. Oh, that's <laughs> well, the one where they nuke the Super Bowl. Yeah. 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 With and, darts. And, and the fact of when that happens and how it happens in the structure of the movie, I actually really liked. I think Some of All Fierce is actually pretty good. It's just that the hero of the movie is played by somebody who's terrible at playing that part. And I think Chris Pine, on the other hand, um, as far as the origin story is concerned, does a fine job. I don't think the script is all that good. I think it lags in the middle. That whole part in Moscow is sort of like, meh. Um, there's stuff I really liked about it. Um, and I, I just, I like these movies. I like this kind of movie. Um, so there, there's plenty of here that, that recommends it for me. And so, Chris Pine carries it just fine. Well, so here, here is sort of my thinking as I'm watching it. And, uh, and even when we watched Hunt for Red October the other night, Dingus, and, uh, granted, Jack Ryan isn't as big a, I mean, that's more of, because it introduced Jack Ryan, that's more of Tom Clancy sort of establishing himself as a techno thriller writer. And it's very much around about the submarines and the naval procedural stuff. Um, and Jack Ryan's just kind of hovering around the edges of a lot of that movie. Uh, but based on what I remember about the other movies and based on how there's been a kind of a parade of actors playing Jack Ryan and based on how little sense I got for what Jack Ryan means in this movie, the sense that I got is that Jack Ryan is basically a hole into which you plug a celebrity. 
And <laughs> my my problem is that I don't I I'm okay with Chris Pine for the most part, but I don't think he's a celebrity, and he certainly didn't do anything to carry this movie for for me for someone who didn't have any any real interest in watching a Jack Ryan reboot. So as the guy who's supposed to carry this spy yarn, uh, I. I'm okay with him, but it just, he wasn't enough for me. And there wasn't enough there about what distinguishes Jack Ryan from Jason Bourne or James Bond or just any, I mean, there, there's nothing here that, that made me care about the fact that his name was Jack Ryan and that there had been other movies about him. Um, and I partly do blame Chris Pine for that. Uh, I like the guy, but I just didn't think he could carry it for me. Well, I don't All think the- he's, he's not real. I mean, they're- heard people say this sort of this is the Jason Bornification of the Jack Ryan series and I don't agree at all and I think that Chris Pine does a fine job of of walking this line of this this guy who's supposed to be this analyst and um, was a former Marine and he can fall back on his training to a certain extent but he's no Jason Bourne certainly mm. what? go ahead Kelly Warren. Well, I was just going to say, like, I think he was really good as Captain Kirk in the Star Trek movies because he has a certain lightness of touch that just makes you think he's kind of not taking it very seriously. And it makes him less annoying than I think he should be. <laughs> it seems like something we probably wouldn't want to hang out with. Um, I don't know. But anyway, uh, but in this, like, that's what kind of to me was what made Jack Ryan distinctive was he was kind of a gravitas guy and Chris Pine doesn't really have that quality for me. Well, who are you going to cast for that other than some kind of slightly schlubby accountant type that we're not going to go see? I mean, you have to... There's the Ford, the Rock. Will you stop with the Rock? You guys need to see. No, you need to see the snitch. Because here's Harrison Ford. Uh, Dwayne Johnson plays Uh like a managerial position, and he deals with a lot of paperwork in that movie. And he could totally play an analyst based on what he does in the snitch. Or Gary Cole. Actually, the movie might just be called Snitch. I'll have to look into that. but, but I, to, to, I mean, one of the things that I did like here, and I wish they'd gone further with it because they, they set it up early on and it just goes by the wayside, is I like this idea of a green recruit getting his legs under him and how they played with that a few times. Early. Like when he, when he drops the cell phone, when he's, when he's calling in his quarterback call and when he turns on the shower and sort of freaks himself out after he's, uh, killed the, the trainer guy from Ender's game. Uh, they're, they're, I, uh, I like, yeah. I, and I, I prefer I, to think of him as from Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> but, I uh, die. And even that call to the the safe house, I really liked that sequence, yeah. or the, whatever that was. But I don't I don't feel it went anywhere, and he really quickly becomes yeah. just generic super spy. And I, I he's smart, he can shoot. Well, not, and here's no, he can't. he can't do any of that. He's, no, Dingus, come on. He he single handedly plucks his wife out of the villain's grasp right oh, before. Oh, that was awesome. I love that. Here's the thing though about my, my whole Jack Ryan thing is I, I don't think Tom Clancy I mean I haven't I, I read Hunt for Red or no, Red Storm Rising when I was a kid and I don't know a lot of his his work, but but the, the take my takeaway from this whole Jack Ryan thing, and, and I think this is very evident in Hunt for Red October, he is such a Mary Sue character for uh, an insurance salesman and that's what tom clancy was before he started writing these things you know jack ryan he's always saving the world from beginning to end he's right everybody else is wrong he's the guy who spots the smeared paint on the one van in a 30 block radius that the terrorist is driving you know he's the guy who can suss out the motivation of the russian submarine captain and can trump a room full of the joint chiefs of staff uh it is such a a, a 
an inve- a powerless uh, a insurance salesman's power fantasy. Exactly. Yeah. And and so Jack Ryan to me is such a transparent Mary Sue character that I, I you know I, I like the idea of him being fallible and just early on not quite sure what to do and, and little touches like dropping the cell phone. But this movie just immediately dispenses with that and has him once again saving the world. And and the scene where they're doing all that stuff, all that surveillance stuff, and he's talking everyone, all the analysts through what they should be looking at, and it all comes down to Kieran Knightley looking at a picture on Facebook and realizing, oh, they're going after Manhattan. Like, all of that uh, is yeah. so clumsy to me. It's such a clumsy, <laughs> poorly handled Mary Sue character for, for the most part. And that – She does it too, yeah. Well, the clumsiness there is how horrible she is, I think. Well, I, even before she, I mean, that to me is the, is the clumsy cherry on the Sunday. I mean, even the clumsy, you know, him <laughs> yeah, going from then. screen to scene and screen to screen and telling these people what to do. And, and that's just simply because you can't have a scene of analysts looking at data, a team of analysts pouring over data. So it has to do the stupid Hollywood thing by having him direct them and having them, him have all the realizations. You know, it's having him notice this yeah. weird paint on the one van and I, and Costner going, okay, okay everybody, listen to Jack. Like, well, you, yes, can, yes. you can have that. It's called margin call, but this is margin call with guns and silly. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. Because margin call, no, margin call is all about a different team of people. I, I think it it's wishes. just trolling me. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's a nice try. <laughs> that's the worst uh, of my accent. <laughs> by far. Who are you trying to? <sighs> margin call is a financial thriller. This is a right? financial thriller with guns. See, that, that, by the way, I think also is another clumsy instance, is to have your terrorist plot be an economic collapse that is never sexy enough. That, that I thought was pretty poorly handled as well. Like, like the, fact that Just, uh, the, the fact that it's summed up for us as it could be the Great Depression too. When that is not a relevant touchstone to anyone these days, you know the United States has been through a terrible economic d- downturn, and we don't have this sense for what the actual Great Depression was. And to invoke uh, something like that after you opened with nine eleven, I like how it's also a terrorist thing with people dying. But it's like, forget that. It's going to be the Great Depression afterwards. Like the red lines, red lines. Right, right. Yeah, we all know. We all remember those days. The days of having to wait in line to gas rationing under Jimmy Carter. We we remember that sort of economic Chris, Chris, deprivation. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but that so was before they blew up things. I, I think there's room to make a, a sort of a cool spy thriller about an economic collapse, but this this movie I think really needed like a, a you know a nuclear detonation in Manhattan or something. Uh, just for the level that the movie was operating on, it didn't quite earn uh, me caring about the Great Depression too. Uh, it's See, a sexy plot. I thought. is that his thing? Is he stops? Nuclear wars is that Jack Ryan's superpower? Restocks depressions and driving. About Hunt for Red October is they did a great job of escalating from just one dude defecting to Jack Ryan preventing this first strike, insidious first strike weapon from destroy from from, you know annihilating the United States in nuclear uh, attacks. Uh, And he does it every time. Well, I I mean, I guess you kind of don't invite Angela Lansbury to dinner because someone's going to get murdered. Well, I mean, Jack Ryan. Well, why not? I mean, why? I mean, James Bond saves the world in every movie. Why can't Jack Ryan in a different capacity? I mean, I understand what you're saying. It's it's ridiculous that the same guy winds up there every time, like Bruce Willis. James Bond movie, though. James Bond is is a is a is a very vividly drawn character. Jack Ryan is a a Mary Sue fantasy, Uh, and I I just uh, bureaucrat with delusions of. 
something. Finish that, Kelly Wan. That was an awesome line. <laughs> I know, pure crap. Don't just peter out halfway. Well, it's not grandeur, so then I'm trying to think if there are any other delusions that people have. There, there is a, there's kind of a sense, though, in these that, that he's just this hero, and you're right with the Mary Sue thing. That <laughs> Who's the Mary Sue? What's that from? Who's Mary Sue? That is actually from an actual... It's a, a woman writer who was created. Actually, I don't know if it's a real thing, but it's, it's a term. It's a term for an author putting uh, her delusional fantasy of herself or himself, of course, into the fiction that he or she writes. Right. Uh, so, so Mary Sue is. I'm going to like make like I did with Pacific Rim. Check. Uh, no, I'm not quite sure that that applies. Uh, but if you're going to do Tom Clancy, you would have to have like Tommy Lee Jones or Paul Giamatti play the part. Because Tom Clancy was sort of a balding, pot-bellied insurance salesman, as Tom or, said. But a Mary Sue fantasy would be creating as your protagonist this this glorious image oh, of yourself, who always gets everything right, who's never wrong, who's a completely idealized version of of what you imagine yourself to be in your fiction. Right. But there's sort of a reset to zero in a lot of these things. Uh, I mean, uh, Jack and a lot of the other has, movies. You mean? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, yeah, even in the in the books to a certain extent. I mean, he carries his history with him, but he becomes an unbelievably rich guy because of all of his trading and all of the financial stuff he does. But you know, when you when you roll up Patriot Games and he's at the Naval Academy and or you know giving the talk in London and he saves the royal family, there's not necessarily this sense that Hunt for Red October ever happened, but you know, I, I think that that's what this movie does. It doesn't sort of presuppose that there's necessarily too much history to the character. James Bond it. never gave a shit about money. He's probably rich, but he doesn't even care. He just goes to win card games because it's, it's a, the assignment. He has a corporate credit card. Mm. Well, James Bond is a civil servant. Sorry, he's more he's... about the the pussy and not the glory. Whoa, 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 Kelly Wan, no, he cares about his country. Pussy galore. And the galore, yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about some of the other characters in Jack this movie. Uh, I was I, I, one of the main reasons I was psyched to see this. Uh, I love watching Kevin Costner get older and play different kinds of parts, and I was hoping that they would do something with that. I, I was really disappointed they didn't do more with him. Uh, yeah. did, did you guys hear that? Did you say you're disappointed they didn't do more with Kevin Costner? Yeah, and that yeah. he he kind of seemed a little bored. I think. I mean, oh, no, he doesn't do anything up. cool. I he doesn't get to do anything. Oh, What's, you're kidding! I loved him in this. I thought never gets great. Okay. I mean, they, I, I another you... movie to play the same part, uh, and I think it's to develop the the John Kelly junk the the uh, character that uh, what's his name, Leif Schreiber played in some of Malfears, the uh, the assassin dude that works through a lot of these movies. Um, but I loved Kevin Costner. I thought he looked great. I thought he was funny. I thought it was silly that he was doing that sniper thing, which I liked the sniper thing, that duck, move, well, that stuff was cool. I, I thought just, Kevin Costner was great. I actually liked Kelly Wan's Kevin Costner better than Kevin Costner's <laughs> Kevin Costner. Oh, George Bush. <laughs> uh, what happened to the dog? Where did, why, why did we not know find the out dog what happened to the dog? Disappears. That's funny. That's a plot hole to me. That's depressing to me. Um, it, he probably he just stole a dog and then I mean, he's relying on Chris Pine to do something and he's got he's making Chris Pine do this complicated shit and by the way here's a dog too yeah as if he doesn't have his hands full already yeah I guess that's another test uh, speaking of hands full uh, how about Kira Knightley <laughs> see no one likes her but me is my theory <laughs> every time in, I talk to in God, the world or on the podcast <laughs> like, ah she's not and I'm 
What are you talking about? She's great. Look at her. Uh, I really liked her in um, uh, what was it? Never let me go. What's the clone one? Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I really liked her in that, but for the most part... Oh, you know what? She was really good in a movie you guys didn't see called London Boulevard, where she basically plays herself. So I really liked that. But yeah, for the most part, I I, I kind of liked how she was kind of funky and weird at times in this movie. Um, yeah, but she's... It's not a good script. It's like they don't give the actors room. I feel, though, Kelly Wan, like David Kep thought he was doing a lot of cool stuff with the wife character. I feel like the script thinks it's giving her good stuff to do. It felt very studio notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, exactly. Uh, I think, is that just a Taken 2 thing? Studio the wife notes? shows up. No, no, oh. but, like, the wife now gets badass, too. Like, does Maggie Grace... I didn't see Taken 2, because you... Uh, yeah, that's the one with the grenade, where she's throwing grenades so he can sound triangulate her location in Paris. See, that's... studio notes. The <laughs> wife and the daughter can do it, too. They can look at the screens even better than the trained... Ah. Oh. She doesn't need a quarterback. Um, but I, well, I, yeah, Dingus, what did you think of Kira Knightley? You're, and where do you stand on her overall? Um, I'm sorry, I'm worried about the file here. Kelly, you're running a backup, right? Yeah. All right, good. Um, sorry, I uh, I thought she was horrible in this. I thought, she wow. was tot- I thought she was totally wrong. Take that um, I thought her face looked weird. <laughs> I thought she was Whoa. just, I thought she was wrong in this. Uh, I mean, uh, I, uh, you know, I think that you need an actress who's more substantial and she's just a, a will of the wisp. I, I mean, I just didn't buy her at all. Uh, I, I mean, Ann Archer is the actress who plays. Oh yeah. Uh, I forgot about her. Patriot games. And she's, huh. she's great. Um, Ann Archer. I miss her. I, and I and I really did not like this whole let's get Kathy into the into the uh, into the intrigue right away before I mean this whole are you cheating on me oh you're in the CIA thank God thing was just tiresome and she it's was such a fibers. she was such a scold through them I, I and I I just didn't buy it I didn't buy any of that we're gonna throw her in for this ten minute conversation with Kenneth Branagh um, I I didn't like. I don't think I like a thing she did other than that final like moment where they kiss. I just I I thought she was terrible in this. But Dingus, she was able to talk Russian literature with a Russian. Ah, good point. And Dingus, so she, just, she knows that from her misspent sophomore year. Well, that's because of all of her regrets piling up, like books she hasn't read. <laughs> I have to say, during that scene when she explains, you know, why she knows all that stuff about Russian literature, as I was watching that scene, uh, I kind of thought to myself, you know. Who among us hasn't pretended to be impressed by something that a pretty girl claims as an area of expertise because she took a class about it in college? I totally identified with Kenneth Branagh's character at that point. I could understand that. Unless it's blowjobs. Whoa, whoa, Kelly Wand. Hey, oh. what? <laughs> I just thought maybe, okay. Uh, here's my here's one of my huge problems with this movie, and this is where it really started to lose me. Um, and I just, I, yeah, I, I, this it was it, it, it was an overlook favorite Gemma of all the Gemmas is Gemma Chan. And when I saw her in that van manning those little, uh, you know, the, the computers and whatnot, I just didn't care about the rest of the movie. I wanted to see a movie about Gemma Chan. Do you guys know who she is? The super, super hot chick in the van? No. Uh, she's what? your favorite Gemma? 
Oh, yes. Jim Arterton? Yes, Kelly Wand. Yes, hey, Jim Arterton now. No, no, I love her, but Jim Chan. Have you, did she not catch, did she not catch your eye, Kelly Wand? She's this amazingly well, they all catch beautiful. my eye for a minute. She's this phenomenally, distractingly beautiful, uh, I don't actually know her nationality. Um, she was in the Sherlock Holmes miniseries on the BBC. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, she's good. She's in this horror movie called Exam, which is kind of like one of those Saw movies. And it's where a bunch of people are in a room, and they have to take a mysterious exam. They don't know what it's for. They don't know what the exam is. And they're all seated at desks, and she's one of them. And I'm watching this movie thinking, I'm not going to be able to pay attention to this movie with Jimmy Chan there. This is just not going to work for me. <laughs> I, I, but, but fortunately for the movie Exam, she's the first one to go. She's out of that movie in a matter of minutes. And so I was like, okay, whew. Now I can pay attention to the movie. There's no huge distraction in the middle of it. But Wait, seriously, what? That's how you you watch it. You go. Oh, I hope the, the hot. I hope Sharni Vincent's the first to get killed. She's distracting me. Ooh, Sharni Vincent. You guys really did not notice you? the super crazy hot, the, the crazily super hot chick in the van. None, neither of you guys noticed that. There were a lot of vans in this movie. You have to be more specific. <laughs> oh my God, what's the matter with you guys? It's Are you just, talking about the guy who played Alexander? <laughs> Jimmy Chan is indeed a chick, Dingus. I'm, I'm confident of her gender. All right. All right, well, that was my problem. But fortunately, she... Uh, she's not in it. Well, what's her payoff scene? Um, she gets some dialogue when she's off screen. They ADR'd, obviously, a lot of her dialogue. Um, well, her payoff scene is when she gets out of the van to do the handoff for from Chris Pine. Oh, okay. I know what you're talking about. I love yeah. that handoff. Oh. Yeah. She's That chick is so incredibly distractingly hot. Uh, go back and see the movie again. You guys will know what I'm talking about. Why do they need another hot chick to steal the thing? I know, right? If they already need a hot chick for the first thing. I, I will only go back and see this movie if you promise me that I'll get to watch the dog some more. <laughs> that poor dog. <laughs> uh, all right, how about Kenneth Branagh? Uh, Kelly Wand has already made fun of him. Uh, Dingus, you didn't like him, or did like him. No, I liked him just fine. I just find his lips strangely distracting because they're pencil and. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Yeah. I've noticed that since Henry V. He just has weird lips. <laughs> no, Dingus, he is British. They don't they don't have a lip thing. They all have weird lips, is what I think Tom's saying. Um how about who noticed the shot That's beards. Who noticed the shot from Rosemary's Baby? Yeah. She's watching Rosemary's Baby. What's she doing doing that? Yeah, what the heck was that? Wait, that's at the movie theater? No, no on TV. There's a shot of, of Mia Farrow with her short hair in a cab, which is the point where she's fled her husband in Rosemary's Baby. And I was like, why is she? Because it's my contention that any time, I've said this before, a character's like listening to a lecture or watching something on TV or reading a book, that's in, in there for a reason. I have no idea why Kenneth Branagh decided to have Kira Knightley watch Rosemary's Baby. Why, why is he going to see Sorry, Wrong Number? Because it's a... Is it a spy thriller? I don't know. What's that movie about? Yeah, is that even a a real movie? (laughs) Yes. Does someone just keep calling different wrong numbers? During my screening, uh, the scene where um, uh, Chris Pine walks into the Russian office after he's gone through all that security, and he walks into the office, and Kenneth Branagh is there, the woman behind me goes, oh, no. (laughs) Wait, why? (laughs) Because you've seen Kenneth Branagh throughout the movie as the villain. You don't know that oh, that's Chris Pine is going to She didn't to see that coming. She did that not. Is easy. 
<laughs> I didn't know he, know he was going to be in this, so it was a pleasant surprise for me when he showed up. I also didn't. Is he not in the credits or something? I mean, I knew he directed it, but I also didn't notice he know he was going to be in it. Yeah. I just did, you know I didn't pay attention to any of the press or any of the you know trailers or anything. So when it turns out he's in it, I was pretty excited because I like him. I like him a lot. Uh, did you guys like the fighting in this at all? No, I I didn't think any of the action was well done. Uh, I, I was not a fan of any of the action sequences. Is there Who's any action besides the first guy? Well, yeah, that's. I mean, I like that he, scene. He I like puts, that scene where why is he... that that scene makes no sense when Nancy and Nazi is attacking him. There's no reason for that type of attack. I mean, that huge guy should have just strangled him or something. But right. but when Jack Ryan flees into the bathroom and there's this great jerky look around the bathroom, like is there is there an escape route or is there something you can use for a weapon? It's this weird sort of camera looking around the room real quick. I really like that, um, and I I think that he's just competent enough as a fighter. I, I mean, I like that. I like that that he has this marine training to fall back on, but he's not Jason Bourne. He's he doesn't have that level of competency as a fighter. But but he has no problem with the brutal Russian terrorist at the end. You know, when it when it really comes time for him to you know save the world and drive the bomb away, you know, and and sticking the seatbelt on the the van and getting back there and fighting the terrorist, and even oh, he's even fighting him in the little flooded tunnel area. Yeah, exactly. He's already been in the bathtub. This is the next level. <laughs> he levels up pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, my main That's problem with the action. Power. My main problem with the action thing is just the editing. Uh, there's there's a scene where he's chasing him on the motorcycle. The guy's in the van, and the van drives by, and some pipes slide down. And so he comes. You know, it's like oh, he's cut off, but he rides up and around a ramp to go around the the pipes, and it's just a little bit of a chase scene choreography. And Kenneth Branagh almost does everything in his power to not make it clear that that's what's happening. I mean, you know, but you don't see any of it. It's a succession of like four quick cuts. Um, I don't even think you ever see a stuntman drive the motorcycle up up the, the actual embankment. Uh, it's all implied. Mm-hmm. And even some of the fighting is just edited uh, so and chopped up so much. But that's just kind of a common thing for the way a lot of action is done, so I don't necessarily blame this movie it was hard to follow that fight in the hotel room which was kind of the biggest set piece was that really the biggest set piece um, i think you might be right though what were some of the other well and that guy's set up as a lame ass because he cocked misses with the silencer trips over toilets i think dingus you mentioned the little sniper bit on the uh i liked the idea of that but that, in, that again was just a thing where it was just a, a series of quick cuts and some dialogue. Uh, I just didn't feel the action was was choreographed or shot very clearly, uh, or at no, least. And I don't remember Thor being like that. Uh, <laughs> are you being facetious or are you being serious? I'm being serious. I don't remember oh, oh. Thor being poorly cut like this. Yeah. Cause I didn't, oh, go ahead. The, the one action moment I really liked is when he when they do have that that car chase and he has to to like cut him off at the pass and and he does that. Mjolnir jump at the car. I don't know what he grabs to do that. Um, I did like that moment, but but I don't remember Thor being that poorly cut together. But Thor can fly, so you don't need to see the ramps. <laughs> I, I didn't like the action in Thor either. I, I think it's just... The first Kenneth, one? Either of them. Yeah. Mm. Kenneth Branagh didn't direct the second one, though. So. Yeah, what's up with that? Uh, he, I, I think we saw tonight what's up with that, Kelly. <laughs> oh. Wait, so Marvel... Got rid of the dead weight, you're saying? And got McGee, whoever shot the second one? Oh, McGee, Thor 2, I would have loved that, Kelly Wand. Yeah. 
that would have been awesome. Motorcycles and everything, that would have been awesome. Uh, Crispin Glover beating people up. Mm. Demi Moore, the big old gun. Oh, Sam Rockwell dancing. What could have been? What could have been? I want. I'm listed. Uh, okay, does anybody mind? Uh, I, I, not so much that I mind, but one of the things I like in my spy movies is an acknowledgement, at least, that it's an issue when the CIA has immediate access to things like phone records and people's Facebook pages and their Instagram. And he even mentioned one thing I'd never heard of before: hopscotch. What is yeah, hopscotch? Yeah, I, know, that was great. I felt like such an old dude. I was like, wow, this is social media. There's or is it a science fiction one? Where no, yeah, was it a fake product placement? Uh, or fan but, service? But I, I kind of at least like, and, and maybe Dark Knight has spoiled me, when a movie acknowledges that this is an issue. Uh, and I felt like this movie just Wait, didn't. when what's an issue? Uh, the idea of, especially these days, of the government having access to all this private data about, about oh. citizens. Wait, you saw that as... Uh the movie going, this is a cautionary tale. It's Jack Ryan. No, no, the movie just assumed. Oh, no. Dark Knight, it's a, it's a moral issue for him. Right. And, and the movie here just assumed that, yeah, of course, these guys are terrorists. They're going to do bad stuff. Of course, we can look at all their phone records, all their Facebook pages. We have access to all their private data. Um, and it, the movie just assumed, yeah, that's how it works, and that's how it should be because we're trying to save New York. And I feel that that's a kind of glib treatment of an important issue, especially when the movie opens with, with 9-11. Uh, so, you know, the movie wasn't going for that angle, but that sticks out for me. That kind of bothers me a little bit. When 9-11 I was... wasn't because of Facebook, though. That's giving up. Did you have a similar problem with how Facebook was used for spycraft in Don John? Oh, no, I didn't. That's realistic. <laughs> I noticed you guys didn't want to talk about Don John, jerks. I didn't see it. <laughs> what do you want me to say? I guess Dingus didn't want to talk about Don John. No, I did. Uh, we, just, yeah. we, just moved, we just drove past it. Fair enough. <laughs> Wait, you guys saw it, I thought. Yes, and Facebook is We're used to... Uh, really <laughs> basic things. I wonder why. Yes. <laughs> Facebook's used to spy on Don John. By, by a private citizen, though, not by the government. Don John is not the government in the Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie. Oh. Uh, let's do a three-by-three. Three. Dingus, what is this three-by-three yeah. three again? This is your favorite depiction of books in movies. You know, <laughs> books. These fears. <laughs> Ever. Sorry. Yes. Books and movies. And was anything taken off the table? Uh, I don't think so. Did I take anything off the table? I don't think so. Okay. I think, I think mine we- suck. Oh really, Kelly Wand? You're you're already you're going to immediately lead by telling us that yours are not. Are, I think it's a really good topic, but I whiffed on it. All right, well, we'll be the judge of that, Kelly Wand. I like Dingus's topics. Well, why don't you start us out, Kelly Wand? Because you're introducing next week's topic, so give us your number three favorite uh, depiction of books in a movie. Depiction. Use of depiction, portrayal, representation. I like when you say words. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got an hour and a half of that tonight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh oh! My the theme of my book list is I picked books that actually exist instead of like books that are being you know written for the movie, mm. fake books mm-hmm. like Ted Levine's books in Banshee Chapter. I'm trying to 
you know, use it as an example, something that you won't pick. Well, there goes my number. There three. goes my number one. Yeah. Yep, Banshee chapter. Um, <laughs> so my number three. What was the name of one of his books in Banshee chapter? Uh, you have a friend in Colorado. Friends in Colorado, close. Friends I'll accept Colorado. that. Kelly Warren, you have passed. Very that good. was the name of John Cusack's book in 2012. Also, I know it was Wisconsin on that one. I mean, gay. <laughs> my number three book choice for the depiction and portraying books in the magic worlds is the number three book is uh, in Evil Dead 2 uh, when he puts farewell to arms on the bucket. This <laughs> hand up. But because in the, in the it's like he's making fun of himself. Like he could have picked any book in the cabin, but he picked one. Is there, that, an, in, is there an indication before then that you're watching a comedy? Maybe. He breaks dishes over his head. That's yeah, yeah, that's a good point. The possessed hand, right. Exactly. But um, maybe, now that I'm thinking about it, though, maybe it was the only book in the cabin, and the evil dead were like, that's why we picked the hand, because you'd have to put this book on the thing. So maybe it's their job. Kelly, one, I'm, just, I'm not going to say it, but I'm just going to take a guess. Is another one of your picks a Hemingway book? From a movie you really, really liked? Uh, no. He wrote other ones? Oh, interesting. All right. What, what's a Hemingway? <laughs> sure, Viaduct. <laughs> uh, all right, I'm going to give you guys a line. Is that a lame one? Because it's just the title, I guess it's kind of a lame. No, no, well, I thought you were going to pick the, the... Do they even call it the Necronomicon in Evil Dead? They do, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah, I thought you were going to pick that from Evil Dead. Uh, yeah. So, no, I, I like uh, what you've done. I actually did, and I remember in high school when uh, I was discovering Lovecraft and... You know, some people play D and D. We did that, but we also played this this Call of Cthulhu tabletop role playing game where you're like an agent investigating stuff. That was too uh, hard. Well, Kelly, one, you probably weren't quite at that level yet. Oh. Um, but we played that, and I remember having a discussion with one of my friends who insisted, uh, and he was an otherwise bright enough guy, but he insisted that the Necronomicon was an actual book, that it was really out no. there. Yeah. What? That's no, it. Not. Right, I know. Well, you don't have to tell me. Wait, did you think all the Lovecraft stories were actual journals of real guys? <laughs> going, There's a thing coming in at the window. I'm not sure where he thought the cutoff line like that was. That was totally plausible. <laughs> but he definitely yeah. thought that the Necronomicon was an actual book. Uh, Those were the only ones in Weird Tales that weren't real. The what? The Lovecraft? <laughs> I love silence. All right, Kelly Wan, so Evil Dead, but not the book that most people would Is that a fun game called Cthulhu, Tom? You're a gamester. I didn't play it. You did, though. You wrote a review of it, Dark Corners of the Earth, that I remember. And you you even had an awesome line about it has all of the craft, but none of the love. No, it was the other way Oh, rats. I misremembered your line. Rats on the This wall. is embarrassing. I was hoping to recreate the scene between uh, Bruno Kirby and – is it Carrie Fisher in When Harry Met Sally? Wow. <laughs> At the scene I, he quotes – I know they're both in Colorado. No one's ever quoted me to me before. <laughs> they didn't get the line. Yeah. All right. Pest is the quiche of the 80s. I'm good. Jeez, now we got Dingus started. Let me give you a quote from my number three favorite representation of books and movies. Here's a quote. Ready? Sir, this is not a lending library. It's the Hall of Records. Okay, here's another quote. Here's another quote. I'm going to give you guys this quote. I've got to move away from the microphone a little bit to give you this quote. Here's another quote. Ready? That's the other quote. Tom's Sunday morning. <laughs> uh, one of the things that I love about this is one of the movies. Oh, that oh, I, I know what this is. Okay, do cool. you G- give it to me, Dingus? What? 
Is it Chinatown? Yes, Dingus, very good. So I, I've, I've said before that I think that Chinatown is is a perfect movie. It's one of the rare perfect movies. Currently, I would con- confer that honor to Casablanca, Chinatown, Toy Story 2, Jaws, and possibly The Avengers. We're, we're still considering that one. But one of the things... Then your that, whole list shatters, ruptures, <laughs> loses all credibility. But go on. One of the things I love about Chinatown is, of course, Avengers. It's, it's period detail. Perfect. And, and you had so much of the movie is watching Jack Nicholson do research, and I love the scene where he goes to the Hall of Records to look up property records, and he has to go down this row and lift this enormous ledger out of the shelf, and he yeah. puts it on a desk, and he's flipping through these huge pages, and he runs his finger down the line, and there's these little slips of paper that have been pasted over the actual entries, and he goes to the clerk, and he gets a ruler, and he coughs so that he can rip it out to cover the noise of him <laughs> ripping the page. But but I just love that it, it, it's this meticulous piece of the period detail. And that sort of thing, because we got plenty of movies about investigators. We saw one tonight, and it's people standing around in front of computer screens. But one of the things I love about Chinatown's period detail is it's, it's such an artifact of another time, the way people had to do research and look things up. In Chinatown, it's even before microfiches. You know, there's nobody sitting in the library putting microfiche into a machine. This is just this huge ledger entry and the tiny pieces of paper and the handwriting. Uh, and Chinatown, by the way, is full of this kind of mundane detail. And so much of the cool stuff about the movie and what makes Jake Giddis a cool character is how he navigates it, like ripping that piece of paper out. I also remember he does a, a gimmick where he puts a watch under a car's tire so that when it rolls over the, the watch, it'll stop the time that the car left at. Um, and these days, all that would be like just a stupid beacon dot on a computer screen or something. Um, so I just love Jack Nicholson with that huge, enormous ledger. And it kind of. I don't think this is spoiling anybody else's pick, but one of the things I really liked about the extended version of Lord of the Rings is there's a little bit of watching Gandalf go through all these scrolls and books and stuff during the scene where he's trying to find out what this ring is that Frodo got. Uh, And I remember watching that and thinking, oh, that's like Chinatown. (laughs) (laughs) Luckily, they're retconning those scrolls into – Who knows what they'll do. Uh, Doesn't Jake get his nose cut with a bookmark? I think it's a no. It's a switchblade. No. Polanski whips out, and I think he even pops the blade out. It's definitely a switchblade. Yeah, yeah. What's the book that you're referencing? Well, the book it's a, it's a ledger. So existing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's a ledger for for property records, and it's where he first starts to discover. Because the whole pattern of Chinatown is it goes from a, a personal peccadillo about you know just one person's sin to this great big corporate corrupt. Uh, citywide crime down to a personal sin again. Just like the Avengers does. Mm, you'll have That's to thing break that down with. for me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so the, the ledger is where he starts to discover that property records, that there's something fishy going on with who owns property where they're draining all this water uh, out of this farmland and making it where it's, it's unusable. Um, so that's where this is the first step uh, where he starts to discover the scale of, of what the plot is. Do you feel like we're already living in an era when people don't remember what books are? And it's kind of like the Eloy and Time Machine. Everything's all powdery. In Time Machine, the Guy Pierce movie? Yeah. <laughs> Diggis, what is your number three favorite representation of books in, in movies? Maybe you got a quote for us. All right, here's a bit of dialogue. Good God, yes, that's just what the Hebrews thought. 
It's probably a Woody Allen movie. No, it's the Bible from Raiders, I think. It's not the Bible. It's that huge oh. book at the beginning that he that weird gigantic book that he carries in that looks like a briefcase or some sort of thing that he's carrying that has these awesome latches on it that he just chinks open. Who's he? He open uh Dwayne Dwayne Johnson. Johnson. And uh he opens this book to show uh, oh, it's when he's showing Denholm Elliott stuff, the pictures yeah. of the Ark. Right, okay. Well, well That's he's not showing the, the dudes from the government who are there to ask him, ah. like, what's the deal? What are you talking about? What is this? Uh, well, it's, it's, this is, this is the Ark of the Covenant, and they're like, oh, I don't know. And he's like, any of you guys ever go to Sunday school? And the two guys are like, uh. And so he opens this gigantic book that has these latches that have to keep it closed. I mean, it's, it's, it, you know, when Tom was just describing what Jake is paging through this huge tome, I mean, it's this gigantic thing that he, he flaps open and he turns to this page that has this, this depiction of the ark being held on this hill that has this you know, you know, lightning, wrath of God, whatever, coming out of it. Um, and I love that book. I love that huge piece of design that they made. What is the book? Do we know? Does he say it's just a random book, or like, do we know what the it, title of it is? I have no idea. You know, Kelly thinks it's the Bible. I don't think it is. Is it the uh, Necronomicon? It, it's. It might be the Necronomicon. <laughs> I, you know, of of the of the three books I chose, the the other two have titles. This one, I just, I don't know what the title is. I just don't see how to turn into Evil Dead at the end by opening. That's a good point. Uh, one, way, one way that we know it's not the Bible is, uh, Kelly, one, the Bible doesn't have pictures. Or clasps. Mm-hmm. They didn't have those yet. <laughs> Although, were those clasps mentioned in Leviticus? Like, okay, and wrap the book up and... No, you can't use clasps. things with cubits. You can only what? use buttons. Buttons for the Bible. Buttons for the Bible. Okay, I got it. Kelly Wands, what is your number two favorite representation of books in a movie? Okay, this one's a little crazy. <laughs> My number two... Oh, I'll do a line from it. Hmm? Uh, something, uh, something, I'm in the lifeboat, fucking whale. Damn it. Life of Pi. No. It's not the How to Survive Wait, book that no. he's got in, in Life of Pi? Oh. The white people's version of Life of Pi. Moby Dick. Huh. <gasps> All is lost. See, Tom Dingus is better read than you. There's no movie of Moby Dick, please. It's a no, book. it's in. It's I can. I think it's the most invoked book in movies. So, which movie are you choosing, Wrath of Khan? Mm, see, this is the part where it's going to get a little crazy because it's like best depictions of books. So it's like I'm going to make an After Earth and Wrath of Khan analogy, <laughs> which is. I have yet to see Moby Dick referenced in a movie where I get the sense that they've read the ending, or in Jason's <laughs> case, the cover. Because it's like Khan's quoting Captain Ahab. It's like a guy gets his ass kicked by what he pursues, so he's picking a loser. Like, shouldn't he be quoting the whale instead of the thing? Or just uh, Starbuck? Doesn't he live? No, she becomes an angel. All right, I've got a quote for my number two. You guys ready for this? Well, wait. Oh. So are you choosing Wrath of Khan or what? Yeah, and After Earth. And Heathers. Because it's referenced in all those. Because assuming you don't have Wrath of Khan for anything else, there's another book that's referenced in Wrath of Khan besides Moby Dick. Oh, huh. Shakespeare. Oh, right. a book. A play or a book, Dingus? No, it was, it, it, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Oh, I bet Kelly Wan knows who wrote that. Steinbrenner? 
Lord. Because Spock gives Kirk a copy of that book at the beginning of the movie. And he oh, says, you know, none that I'm conscious of, except happy birthday, surely the best of times. Which book? <sighs> Never mind. <laughs> it's minor dick, as you wouldn't know it, Kelly Wand. <laughs> oh, Tale of Two Cities. Okay, here's a quote from my number two. You guys it's ready for this? Grudge. Yeah. These are my books. I like stories with magic powers in them, either in kingdoms on Earth or foreign planets. Usually, I prefer a girl hero, but not always. I couldn't bring them all because it got too heavy. Oh, that's a great choice. I didn't even think of that. I have a different. What? Yeah, that's great. I have I'm a sure different. I have a different Wes Anderson, but that's wonderful. Right. Well, Wes Anderson loves his books, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think we might hear about another instance of it from you, Dingus. But one of the things I love about the books in Moonrise Kingdom. Uh, uh, Sam and Susie run away, and I, it, it just slays me every time. The scene where she's taking inventory, and she's explaining what she's got, and in this weird way, she's opening up to him. And this fantastic line, and I don't know why this line hits me so hard, where she talks about, I forgot my comb, but I can just use my fingers. Uh, it's just the, it's partly the actress's delivery, too. She's so good in this movie. Um, but the, the scene where she uh, reveals her books is really important because they're uh, – they're an escape for her. You know, these books are a huge part of her life. And they're also, though, a sign of, of her troubled reality because she also brings out this book that her parents have kept and that she found called Coping with the Very Troubled Child. So on one hand, these books that she's brought along are this great escape for her. But on the other hand, they're a reminder of her, her difficult situation in life and growing up as a girl and being, un, you know, being unsure of her surroundings and her brothers and sisters and her parents. Um, and, and there's also when uh, Sam notices that they're library books, he, uh, he, he notes that, that she has stolen them. Uh, and she has this great line about, well, maybe I'll bring them back one day. <laughs> And they get in a, their first fight also when he laughs at her bringing up the Coping with a Very Troubled Child book. He says, is that about you? And she says, I think so. And he kind of snickers. And they get in their first fight. And they have kind of an argument. But uh, it ends with him apologizing and then uh, him asking her to uh, read his favorite, her favorite book to him. And she reads uh, from – I think it's called The Francine Odyssey. Wes Anderson created all of these fake children's books. Um, the art, the cover art is so great. Uh, so no one will bring this up, so I feel okay mentioning it. I mean, I love the cover art. I love the fake books in that. Uh, Jared Hess, the guy who directed Napoleon Dynamite, did a terrible movie called Gentleman Broncos, which has uh, Michael Angarano as a, as a young sci-fi writer. Uh, and it opens with an amazing credit sequence of all of these fake sci-fi books from the 60s uh, with, and with that distinctive cover art. I love the credits to Gentleman Broncos. The movie itself is terrible. Um, but yeah, I love watching uh, clever directors make up fake book covers and, and cover art. Uh, and the ones in Moonrise Kingdom are awesome. What about the one in, at the end of Back to the Future that Crispin Glover wrote? Glover? Is that how you say his name? Yeah, Crispin Glover. Because it rhymes with Glover. With Glover's egg, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, it rhymed I love you, Tom. Tome. Get it? Books. What was the Crispin Glover book? Uh, I think it was called Back to the Future. <laughs> in another paradox. No, it's like I got the princess or something. Like it was like a, an empowering galactic conquest novel. Huh, I'd love to read that. I don't you know. wouldn't. Don't patronize me. <laughs> Tickets, give us a quote from your number two favorite uh, use of a book in a movie. Here's the quote. 
When one man, for whatever reason, has the opportunity to lead an extraordinary life, he has no right to keep it to himself. Mm. Walter Mitty? No, it's that movie. <laughs> it's that, no, I know what it is. That movie <sighs> where, uh, where um, Bill Murray goes into the Tibetan... Razor's Edge. Yeah, that one. Well, it's a lesser mogum. Is that how you say it? <laughs> <Somerset> <laughs> it's a lesser mogum. It's such a great author's name. Isn't it? Dingus. Okay, wait. Uh, is it that library it's... movie? It sounds uh, the, familiar. The book, yeah, the quote is from Jacques-Yves Cousteau, and the book is called Diving for Sunken Treasure. Mm, obviously, this is Into the Blue, starring Paul Walker. Just it's it is oh. Paul Walker because he was a marine biologist in real life as well, and uh, he helped co-write that book. He was the ghostwriter for Diving for Sunken Treasure. <laughs> Oh, this is the other Wes Anderson, I'm guessing. This is the other Wes Anderson. This is indeed Rushmore. Um, and this is, uh, this is another library crime. Uh, it's funny that Tom should mention that, uh, because it, when, uh, when Max Fisher's in the library, he's paging through this Jacques Cousteau book, and he finds that somebody has written this Jacques Cousteau quote in the book. He's, it's clearly a vandalization of the library book, and he loves this quote. And I've mentioned this before because of the great sound effects during it. Um, and he goes up to the librarian and he says, I want to know everyone who's checked out this book because there's this written in it. And that's when he finds Rosemary Cross's name and how he tracks her down because she had taken this book because of... Uh, her late husband, um, and had written in this book, and he figures out that she wrote in it, and that's how he falls in love with her, uh, because of Diving for Sunken Treasure by Jacques Cousteau. And uh, Rosemary Cross, played by uh, Olivia Thurlby. Williams. <laughs> Williams. Yeah, well, to Haviland. Here's the other Olivia. Right. Uh, of- Wild. Wild. Olivia Wild. Uh, well. Olivia's yeah. a pretty hot name. It really is, yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. You can yeah. never go wrong. Yeah. It's cheating. What do you think of that pick, Gallywand Rushmore? Olivia? Oh. That's a good uh, sculpture. I like prefer it in Nebraska, though. <laughs> when it was CG. Yeah. I prefer it in the one where Cary Grant's sliding around on the noses. Spoiler. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Gallywand, what's your number one favorite uh, depiction of a book in a movie? I'll do a quote from it. Yeah, you will. Damn, those body snatchers have invaded us. Terrible movie quotes. What's the use of a book in Invasion of the Body Snatchers? And how many Invasion of the Body Snatcher movies can you name, Kelly Wand? Uh, four. Go. Are there only four? I don't know. You tell me. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Give me the director's names. Don <laughs> uh, Siegel. Good. Philip Kaufman. Good. Abel Ferraras. Nice. Give me one more. <sighs> Ah, oh, fuck, the shitty one with Nicole Kidman and the invasion. Is Can I give you a hint? Can I give you a hint? Oh, yeah, come on, come on. Here you go. Here's a hint. Here's a hint. Uh, Emil Locks oh, and... What? Locks and... Keys. <laughs> Locks and... Um, oh, wait, Bagels. Get, go ahead, so what's the name? Oh, God. Bagels. <laughs> Emil... Ed Bagley Jr. No, you can do this. Emil, you had it. Emil. It's someone I don't know. No, Emil you got it. You had Bagelson. it. No, no, Emil Bagelson. <laughs> Hirsch Bagel. Hirsch Bagel. I don't it's know all, It's Oliver. 
Oliver Hirsch. No, no, no. But I was trying to get him to say Emil Hirsch. Hirsch. Oh, uh, I was trying okay. to get him to say Hirsch Bagel. I said Hirsch, and then I'm like, wait, it's not Judd. You, you suck at solving my puzzles, or I suck at giving them. I'm not Why sure. do I gotta care who wrote, who <laughs> directed the shittiest, the terrible <laughs> snatchers? At any rate, so which body snatchers? I'm with Dingus. There was some intriguing things in that one. It got there was one good scene where they're. They're making people jump off the building, and then anyone who screams when they watch, they know it's not. It got another uh, studio. It seems like another movie that was definitely studio noted. Uh, but there were some intriguing things. At the end, everyone comes back. They're, everybody's fine. Uh, that's not how that works. No, it was for uh, Oliver Hershey. Even the 50s one, they don't come Kelly Wan, what's the depiction of a book in an Invasion of the Body Snatchers movie? Oh, in the Philip Kaufman one, my personal favorite of the four. Um, I'm with you there. There's the scene where you're... Love baby. Veronica Cartwright, yeah. yes. Veronica looks Cartwright. Like, she looks like Portia Doubleday. Spitting image of Portia Doubleday, right. She's in, she's in the Oliver Hirschbiegel one, too. Veronica Cartwright is? She, yeah. awesome. That's depressing. That's another great thing about that movie. I don't want her in that one. Well, anyway. <laughs> so she owns her. a mud bath. I don't want her in that one. <laughs> nah, that movie's tainted. I, it's, I feel bad that Daniel Craig's even in it. Um. But anyway, so Veronica Cartwright owns Mud Baths with Jeff Goldblum, and he's like a frustrated poet. But there's like an old Jew rabbi guy in one of the Mud Baths, and he's reading Worlds in Collision, that fucking stupid-ass book by that Emmanuel Velikovsky that says Venus was farted out by Jupiter. All this gibberish. Anyway... But then I have no idea what, what you're talking about. You remember the scene? <laughs> so he's all, oh, you got to read this. This is must-reading. And she's all, yeah, I've read that a million times, but did you read Star Maker by Olaf Stapleton? Okay, so that I, book, I can't tell where the movie ended and Kelly Wanda's begun. Star Maker? <laughs> in, the, in this exchange here. <laughs> it's like the it's like the trippiest novel ever written. It's like the, the, the most intellectual. It's got like the biggest scope. So it's like that's why she lives longest in the movie, because she's read Star Maker. I see. So what we learned from that is we should all read that so that when the pod people come, we'll live yeah. longer. And, we'll, and only Donald Sutherland will out us. Well, she has an open mind, man. She's like – she's – she can't be chained to just the mud and the poetry. By the way, we don't know for sure if she gets busted. Like, we just know That's when he yells true. at her. She could get away, and there could but be... But she seems stuff. genuinely bummed and surprised, which seems odd for her, But because up till then, she's like, I, I, we can do this. I got this. Figure it out. They're, 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 they're super stupid, as long as you don't just giggle or fart in or a crowd. Or when you when you jump off a building. Right. It's yeah. like Brooke Adams keeps fucking over... Like she twists her ankle. Ugh, don't bring Brooke Adams along. It's no, just like a, a she's pl- not up to it. An alien invasion, absolutely. Although I wonder if she can do that thing with her eyes after she's a pop. Oh god, don't freak me out, Kelly Wand. Uh, Kelly Wand, do you think we should bring Gabriel Anwar along if there's an yeah. alien invasion? Yeah. Okay. She makes it out, doesn't she? <laughs> I don't remember. I think she survives, right. and they throw the kid out of a helicopter. <laughs> Diggs, what's your favorite Body Snatchers movie? Uh, the one with the Nicole Kidman, because she looks great in that sweater. Wow. All right, Dingus. There's more to life than Nicole Kidman in that sweater. He's just kidding. Are you guys ready for my number one pick for favorite book in a Oh, yeah, that's right. Boy, am I. I'm going to give you a lot. Here we go. Oh, dear, it's not scandalous at all. It's just a sentimental old love story. Mm. Seriously, guys, seriously? That's his hackman. I'm so disappointed in both Wait, of you. Wait, is Dingus, it? Dingus, especially you. Come on. Is it Dubliners? 
<laughs> What's the of line? Course. I wasn't really... Here's the line. Oh dear, it's not scandalous at all. It's just a sentimental old love story. Uh, was one of these characters snubbed for an Academy Award this year? Um, I don't know. Should she have gotten one? You're the one that saw that movie. This is the point. Seth Rogen Barbara Streisand road trip. <laughs> Oh, oh, that's a good. That's really good, actually, Tom. I didn't even think of that. That's really good. So in, Rema- in Remains of the Day, uh, there's a scene, yeah. and I, I would argue. Oh, this is a good one. Yeah, and I think it's the scene where they're the closest, like where they're the most. Yeah. Um, and he's he's been uh, the scene opens with him in his study, and the curtains are kind of pulled, and he's been reading a book, and he, he's dozed off while he's re- reading, uh, and she's coming in to bring him flowers. Uh, and he he wakes up and he's got the book in his in his lap and she's setting up the flowers and uh, and she asks him what he's reading and he's very cagey about it and he's trying to change the subject and he even goes around behind a desk to try to put the desk between himself and Emma Thompson it's Anthony Hopkins and Emma Thompson uh, and she comes around and she literally backs him into a corner asking him what the book is and accusing him of it being something racy and and she is in their own way being very very flirty with him yeah. uh, and, and and I love how the movie portrays her flirtiness. It's not, I mean, they're both very proper and very English, um, but she is being so kind of forward with him, and and she she walks up to him, and she's literally prying his fingers off of the book, and the way that he looks at her in this scene, he is absolutely just devastated and in love with her. It is like one of the one of the defining moments of what makes Anthony Hopkins a fantastic actor. It's him because she's looking at the book and trying to get his fingers off of it, and just him looking down at her, absolutely smitten. Um, this completely proper, uh, re- repressed character who's lived a life of quiet service, head over heels in love with this woman who is within inches of his face, um, and she discovers. The, you know, that's a reveal about his character and something that she finds out that what he's reading was just this pulp romance. And that what we learn about his character, the fact that he does have this longing for this kind of thing in his life enough to read the book. But what happens in that moment is that he lies about it. And he says that he only reads books to improve his command of the language. And he asks her to leave. Uh, and the way that the scene is shot, it's the closest they'll ever be, they'll, they'll ever be in the movie. And the camera is in so tight and the lighting is so like a love scene. Um, and the way the camera pulls back when she walks out, uh, it's just, it's, it's kind of the fulcrum, I think, of the remains of the day. And it, it revolves around the fact that he's reading a, a romance novel. Um, so there's my number one That's pick. That's the first scene I always think of from that movie. It's a really powerful scene. It's a very powerful scene, yeah. The other thing uh, I love about the way he plays that moment is that that it captures for me that bristliness I feel if I've been woken up um, yes. unexpectedly and been asked to answer for something. What, what, what have you been doing? What, what? And I love the, the way language. he answers that in that sort of – he understands that bleary, weird sort of feeling of being yeah. woken up and surprised. There's a vulnerability there that he yeah. normally had because he had been dozing. Yeah. I read a lot of Sidney Sheldon when I was a kid. What about Sidney Sheldon? I read a lot, like Rage of Angels. Did Emma Thompson ever corner you and ask you about it? No, but I go, I'm learning how to, you know. (laughs) I learned a lot from those books. Did you uh, read Other Side of Midnight? Because that's really mine. Yeah, I did. That's mine or Sheldon. Kelly Wand. 
No, it was a, that was the movie that was supposed to bury Star Wars because the movie came out the same year. But I haven't even seen that. Movie. How'd that work out for them? Uh, the heroine's really stupid. Like their husband keeps trying to kill her, but she keeps not noticing, and so it's it's like sweepy, and like she's like walking into plane rotors and stuff. She keeps getting lucky, like Forrest Gump. <laughs> did Did either of you see Saving Mr. Banks? Did not. No. You liked it though. Uh, yeah, I, I was surprised. I liked it very much. I think uh, she's great in it. I think Tom Hanks is great. In it. I think Colin Farrell is freaking amazing in it. Um, I don't think. I mean, I think it's it's ultimately no. I think it's ultimately kind of a trifle, but um, I because I don't really care how Mary Poppins got made. I just don't care that much about it. But th- that's another use of a book because the whole movie is about a different ah, right, book. Right. And she was snubbed. She didn't get a nomination for Best Actress. Well, the, the, the conventional wisdom was that she was going to get nominated. But those two categories, the actress categories, are so strong that I don't, I don't know that you can really argue too much with it. I think she's had enough nominations. It's time to let someone else have a chance. It's also propaganda, well, man. Well, you can't nominate for propaganda movies. If Lone Survivor gets an Oscar nod, they'll be well, playing the streets. My feeling <laughs> is that what little I've seen of August Osage County... Uh, Meryl Streep could have taken a break this year, and actually, I would have I would have nominated Scarlett Johansson as much as I didn't like her in Don John, and and I think Tom's right that I'm not necessarily supposed to, but I there are times when she annoys me. I didn't really like her in Match Point either, um, but I loved her and her, and I think her vocal performance makes that movie as much as Joaquin Phoenix makes that movie. I think. Her vocal performance is phenomenal. It would have been really cool to see a vocal performance nominated for Best Actress. Of all the people I never thought I would hear say the words, I think Meryl Streep can take a break this year. <laughs> Dingus. Dingus. Well, she's my favorite actor. Or Scarlett Johansson. She's my favorite actor, hands down. <laughs> I, will, I, I love Meryl Streep. I mean, there's, she's a national treasure as far as I'm concerned, and she's, she's our best actor. Um, she's like our Olivier. Uh, or our but, Dwayne Johnson. Or are whatever you just said. Um, uh, it's like Scott Johansson never gets nominated, and Jennifer Lawrence just keeps getting, like, she just needs to be in anything, and then she gets nominated. I, I will say, Kelly Wan, you know how much Dingus likes Meryl Streep? He likes Meryl Streep so much that he saw uh, Hope Springs. She's in that? She's the, That's the one where she and Tommy Lee Jones get sex therapy from Steve oh. Carell. Mm. From Steve Carell. Oh, that. Yeah, it's playing the same character as it's as it, Kelly. Want it's as painfully uh, awkward as you can imagine. <laughs> I don't want to see them have sex, or even it, it's, it, yeah. Well, you then don't see Hope oh, Springs. Uh, I I do Meryl Streep though. Dingus, speaking of people who would do Meryl Streep, why don't you give us your number one pick for uh, representation of a book in a movie? All right, here's a quote: uh, "Beware of all enterprises which require new clothes." Star Trek for that's that's got to be a Woody Allen thing. New clothes. I, it's not. It's actually a Thoreau quote, but it's quoted by Ricky Jay in the movie The Spanish Prisoner. Mm, I and, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No. I, there was another movie we saw last year that had Thoreau quotes in it. Yeah. Called Upstream Color. But you're no, you're going a different direction. I see. Okay. Interesting. I am going. A He's a snob. Uh, this. Uh, <laughs> I'm a snob because I'm I'm quoting a movie that has a, a mammoth movie over a, a tennis book. So the book is Budge on Tennis by uh, J. Donald Budge, and it's uh, the movie the book that sort of uh, helps the con 
kind of get on its way and almost resolves the con later on. So Stephen Martin, Stephen Martin, Steve Martin's character, um, <laughs> Steve gives, gives Campbell Scott this this package to deliver to his sister, to Steve Martin's sister, because they've been on this island and it's part of this con. And I just love the way this book looks and that um, and the fact that uh, Campbell Scott ruins the book and then has to go get a new version of the book and then the book figures in later on. But I just love the way that old book, Budge on Tennis um, uh, by Donald the Budge looks in uh, The Spanish Prisoner. And I watched Spanish Prisoner again uh, when I was getting ready for the lie 3 by 3 that Tom set up for us a couple weeks ago. Um, but then I just decided that, that cons and long cons have too many lies embedded in them to really use for the lie that I was going for. Uh, but I love that book, and that, that's what inspired this, pot, this topic. So it's Budge on Tennis. Isn't Ed O'Neill in Spanish Prisoner? Yeah. And he's doing like a serious part, right? Like that's in like Red a, Belt, too, yeah. He and Mammoth came Oh, tight. man, I don't remember him in Red Belt. He's he in, in Red Spartan. Belt? Uh, wait, you know what? It might be dumb. He might have been the one who got Mamet into red belting an RL, and then that's why Mamet wrote. <laughs> if that's true, I love that even I more. I think that's actually true, because that's why Al Bundy is like, he suddenly gets really buff, and that's when Ed O'Neill started getting into um, jiu-jitsu. <laughs> yeah, he plays an FBI guy in Spanish Prisoner. Yeah, I remember that, and I remember uh, really liking him being serious. He, uh, I, I mean, you know, those He's of us actor. who... He's a great actor, and even on Modern Family, like a trifle like that, he just brings a lot to it. Um, I, I remember him from this horrible series called John from Cincinnati, uh, and he did fascinating stuff in that as well. It's the who's the Deadwood guy, Kelly Wand? Not David Milch. Uh, um, David Milch. 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 Isn't John from Cincinnati David Milch? Yeah, I didn't watch it. Uh, I, was an, I was annoyed about Deadwood. Well, they did really cool stuff with Ed O'Neill's character in that. Losing Deadwood for it. Like what? Yeah, well, and then surfer thing, yeah. Uh, all right, Spanish Prisoner uh, inspired this topic. Dingus, do we have reader submissions? Or listener um, submissions, I'm sorry. We have a slew of them, actually. A slew. Is that more than 11 or less than 11? That's one more than 11. All right, so a slew is a dozen. Why don't you just say a dozen, Dingus? I, uh, guess I see that math is not your strong point, unlike some of us on this podcast. <laughs> Uh, number one of our slew is Samuel Paulson. Uh, number three, the Shawshank Redemption, the Holy Bible. Using the oldest trick in the book, Andy Dufresne uh, hides a rock hammer in the Bible, allowing him to gain his freedom. That, uh, well, that, so that reminds me of an awesome scene from Barton Fink with the elevator operator, where Barton Fink is riding the elevator down, and he says, uh, do you read the Bible, Pete? The elevator operator says, Holy Bible? Barton Fink says, yeah. And he says, I heard of it. <laughs> this is a very Cohen Brothers exchange. <laughs> Sorry, Samuel Paulson, didn't mean to interrupt you. Just reminded me of a good one there. Uh, number two of Gods and Men, Le Coran. A central figure in this magnificent portrayal of monasticism and martyrdom is the choice of the monks to stay in their Algeria Despite the threats to their lives, we get to see a short scene where the monk Christian sits writing at his desk surrounded by books of theology. When he briefly picks up a well-used French copy of the Quran to check a line of text, the moment illustrates just how deeply committed they are to the country. Is there an unholy Bible? Or is that yes. the Necronomicon? 
that's the Necronomicon. Number one, the hours, Mrs. Dalloway. Oh God. <laughs> Stephen Daldry movie. It was going to happen sooner or later. The, the film doesn't feature but embodies Wolf's masterpiece. Lacking the literary beauty of the original, it becomes too gloomy for its own good, but it does show the power of literature to shape people's lives, even if it's for the worst. Yeah, Tom. Why would he pick that instead of The Reader if he's going to pick Stephen Daldry books, uh, movies with books? Uh, like from The Who? Next is Fred Bowe. <laughs> Fred and Lenny here. All we have is one, but it's a good one. Dr. Ray Stance. Symmetrical book stacking, just like the Philadelphia mass turbulence of 1947. Dr. Peter Bankman. You're right. No human being would stack book like this. Movie. Ghostbusters. There's a whole library of books in that movie, I seem to recall. Get her. <laughs> That's your plan? Next. Get her. Ray. He's the guy in charge of the plan forming. All right. Next is Bogey. B-O-G-I. Number three, not the Necronomicon, Ex Mortis, but the Chemistry 101 and Steam Engine books in the front of Ash's Oldsmobile Delta 88. First car I drove after learning to drive stick. Anyway, that was my parenthetical. That was you, Um, though. That's me. Uh, He ends in Oldsmobile Delta 88. In one quick shot, Sam Raimi proves once again that science triumphs over magic in (laughs) Army of Darkness. (laughs) He's proving it. Yes. With the trunk shot. Uh, number two, in my day, television was called books. All right, this is something I considered for a bit. Uh, a new way to say I love you. Peter Falk reminds us that a good story can be read and told and watched in The Princess Bride. See, that one I thought of too, but then I go, but it's like from the book that it's a fake book in the book. And then I thought it'd be too meta to... It is very meta, but it's lovely how it's used, I think. And the fact that his grandfather goes to read to him, and he's like, oh, geez, really? Can't I play my video games? Yeah, Cross Giant, the kid's killing. But I couldn't remember how the book looked in that movie. Like, I couldn't remember thinking, oh, it doesn't look enough like the Necronomicon. Uh, And uh, Bogey's number one, uh, 36, 37, 38, 40, still young. I couldn't find a clip of the scene, so I don't know the complete quote. Mr. Dark, Jonathan Price, tearing pages oh. out of the book in Charles Holloway, Jason Robard's library, tempting him with the promise of youth, if only for the price of two boys and his everlasting soul in Something Wicked This Way Comes. Uh. Nice pull. I like that one, Bogey. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, for the many hours of enjoyment I get out of listening to three guys who like movies as much as I do. P.S. Julio Steve in 2016. Mm. Alright, so next... Oh, Fred and Lynn. They're Lenny. back. <laughs> Fred, email you without my input. My pick is The Ninth Gate, which is all about a book dealer and three rooms. Oh, yeah. All I remember that is Vanessa Paradis being naked. Remember, uh, Frank Langella has a whole library of devil books. I don't. I remember naked Vanessa Paradis. I don't even know if I'm saying her name right or if that That's is her name. That's Johnny Depp's wife. Is that Wait, is, is naked her first name? Excellent. Might as well be for that movie. There's a lot of naked, isn't that? What's her name in that? Roman Polanski's girlfriend. I thought she was Johnny Depp's wife. What? This no, is very confusing. Yeah. <laughs> Next, we have oh. we have Paul Weimer. Uh, hi guys, favorite uses of books and movies with so many good choices. I I decided to go strictly genre. Number three, whatever harm came from reading a book. 
the Book of the Dead that brings back and is the key to ending the unlife of Imhotep in the 1999 version of The Mummy. Remember Tom? Dwayne Johnson. Oh, wait, no, it's Scorpion King. No, I think Harrison Ford was in that. Number two. Did I ever tell you my favorite color was blue? The titular manuscript of In the Mouth of Madness that Sam Neill's John Trent is searching for, as well as for the author Sutter Kane himself. Sutter Kane. Sutter Kane. Jurgen Prock now. <laughs> He's like Stephen King. Bart Mancuso. In Das Boot. God. Stephen Beaumont. <laughs> and Paul's number one, I should have sent it to the Marx Brothers. Very good, Paul. Uh, the book of Henry Jones Sr.'s notes on location of the Holy Grail turns out to be a MacGuffin that even gets signed by Adolf Hitler in the Indiana Jones and all <laughs> You say that like that's a good thing. Because I love that line. I should have mailed it to the Marx Brothers. Uh, but I like when he goes, she talks in her sleep. He does a lot of good lines in that movie, doesn't he? <laughs> I'm going to scare away these birds with my umbrella. <laughs> Remember, Tom? Yeah. I was the next man, Dad. Right. Uh, next, we have Pete Haynes. Uh, hello, my name is Peter Haynes, and I believe I speak for the entire British Empire. I knew he was going to be British because Peter Haynes. When I say, you will be taken in the morning to the potato farm. In... <laughs> Uh, very nice, Peter. In top secret Swedish bookstore, ah. before the nonsense reverse filming stunt throws, Swedish. camera pans past a book on the counter entitled <laughs> Lesbian Bars of North Carolina. <laughs> Wait a minute, what? I, I was kind of zoning out until you said that. Wait, why is there a book called Lesbian Bars of it's North Peter Carolina Kushnick looking at in it. top secret? <laughs> Because Top Secret is a silly movie and the camera pan past a book called The Lesbian Bars of North Carolina, which always caught my eye. Wait, who's reading that? Peter Cushing is reading a book? That's not true. You guys are totally pulling my leg. There's no movie where Peter Cushing is reading a book called Lesbian Bars of North Carolina. Peter Cushing is the Swedish bookstore uh, clerk. Yes. Yeah. I need to see this movie. Let me make a note. It's a good movie. I use that for my um, Omar Sharif's in it. Uh, subtitles because the whole scene is backwards. <laughs> Remember, Tom? I just want to see the scene with Peter Cushing. That's, that's all the, I care about. That's the scene. The, that's a good – that book title is like why Top Secret's good because it's not really parroting anything in particular. It's just a bunch of random stuff. <laughs> Let's be in bars in North Carolina. <laughs> God, that's the funniest thing I've heard all day. That's awesome. <laughs> Oh, this one's for you, Tom. Um, someone is staring at you from personal growth. I, I knew exactly what this was the moment he put it, but this one's for you, Tom. In the bookstore scene from When Harry Met Sally, Ew. I always like that Sally is seen holding a book called Smart Women, Foolish Choices. What? Is that a real book? Seemed fitting to me. Hey, I like the film, so sue me. So, All right, my Peter, my lawyer will be in touch with you for the lawsuit. Who knew Bruno Kirby would be the first to go? Oh, the quartet. Thanks for bringing the room down. I just what? It's he was in Godfather. Why couldn't it have been Billy Crystal? Oh. Ooh, too soon. Oh, wait, damn. did he die? <laughs> if he dies tomorrow, you're gonna feel like a I know. <laughs> Please take that back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Billy Crystal. I, you know what? I, I still want to see that that movie where he gets whacked in the in the nuts with a baseball bat by a kid. What's the thing with Marissa Tomei? 
and a kid waxed. Mama from the train. No, they play grandparents. It's maybe oh, oh, uh, parental guidance. Yes, thank you. I still want to see. I that. saw it on the plane from Vancouver. And you recommend it? Should I see it? I missed that part. Pretty I would have just said it on a constant loop. It might be one of those things that's like, I mean, that they put in the trailer to trick you into seeing the movie. He does have one of those faces that's good for nut <laughs> jobs. Nut job. Yeah. And finally, when I was your age, television was called Books. The Prince's Bride, Come On, Fencing, Fighting, Torture, Revenge, Giants, Monsters, Chases, Escapes, True Love, Miracles. Doesn't sound too bad, right? Uh, cheerio, Governors, and thanks again for the podcast. Remember that one chapter in Princess Bride where it's like, what well, with one thing or another, three years passed. I, you know, I loved reading that book because the sword fight is written so great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, does right. it end? Never mind. Yes, it does end. Okay. Um, Scott Andrews. Scott Andrews writes in Sesven. Uh, Detective Somerset uses Dante's Purgatory to understand John Doe, and Detective Mills uses Cliff Notes for Dante's Purgatory. <laughs> and they, they confound him, too. I seem to recall Brad Pitt being very confused and frustrated, <laughs> trying to figure out what's going on. He can't figure out the notes. That's awesome. <laughs> he throws them on. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Uh, next, uh, Michelle Labar uh, from Dave, who is currently driving yet desperate for these picks to make it in time. The book in Princess Bride, which is the book Princess Bride, so most of the movie is two levels deep into fantasy, and the book in Shawshank Redemption, a hollowed-out Bible that contained deliverance. Princess Bride's winning. I decided uh, um, this is a contest among the <laughs> listeners. Uh, and then Dave, Dave Perkins asks next, is there a book in that Eli movie? It's called the Bible, and it's in his head. Spoiler. Holy Bible? It's a microfiche. Denzel Washington is... The Carpenter's Bible. And finally, we have Nick D. Yo, Nick D. Three, Wit. Uh, this is kind of cheating, because Mike Nichols made Wit as an HBO movie, but I love the scene where Emma Thompson remembers reading a Beatrix Potter book with her father as a young girl. You can find it on YouTube if you're not familiar with the movie. That's interesting. Because the whole premise of um, saving Mr. Banks is something to do with her and her father and writing a book. So anyway, this is a movie called Wit. I've never heard of that. Have you guys? Mm. No, do not know it. Mike Nichols, though, you would think we would know it. I don't see movies that promise what they can't deliver. (laughs) Number two, Royal (laughs) Tenenbaums. Well, everyone knows Custer died as a little bighorn. What this book presupposes is... I thought of that one. Maybe he didn't. <laughs> uh, I was thinking Genius. of Bombs, but for the opening, because of the, the framing device, the opening book called Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah. Right that's, what I, that's what I thought you were going to pick, but you went with Rushmore. Big surprise. I went with uh, Jacques Cousteau. <laughs> uh, number one. Here you go. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I love the early scene where the government agents visit Indiana and Marcus. Marcus. And Indiana pulls out a giant old tome to show them a picture of the Ark. I love that giant lecture hall they're in. I love how well the exposition is written. You don't see scenes like this in movies anymore. Including Indiana Jones movies. He doesn't do that anymore. Because they stopped making them. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's like you just saw him be awesome, and then he's got the book too. So now you know. See, Jack Ryan doesn't have a fucking old claspy book. 
Mr. Spreadsheet. Uh, no one mentioned, I'm a little disappointed, no one mentioned the fountain, because there's that, that framing device there where one-third of the fountain is basically the book that, that Rachel Weiss has written. I thought, I thought we'd already gone over it in a similar topic. Well, he gives her the book, and it's empty. It's actually a, not a, technically a book. It's a journal kind of thing. Right. Uh, and she, she ends up writing the story that is the first third of the fountain about the conquistador. It seemed low-hanging fruit. No one else picked it, so it's not that it's not hanging low enough, Kelly. Long. You didn't pick it either. So I did. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Crispin Glover? What were you going to say? Yeah, I'm not sure, sure you don't want to knock off uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers from your list. I can what? see that, that was a oh, real priority. You go you after did. the Veronica Cartwright of all the stupid <laughs> shit I say, you pick. <laughs> Over Jaden Smith, you're totally fine with. No one picked that book of, uh, was it Catullus? Who's the Roman poet that, that inspires Tom Cruise in Oblivion? Uh Catullus, Catullus, is that a thing? Am I just, I don't know my Roman. I like that you think everyone else remembers Oblivion as well as you do. <laughs> but that's a huge plot point. Is, is, he, is, is he number picks, five movie of the year. He picks up the book and he puts it on his little shelf of books that he's found, and then later Morgan Freeman is like, yeah, I, I put that there so you would find it. My number five was, this is the end, so how do you feel about <laughs> Fool? And that's not uh, Apocalypse movie, number fives. It's what? no it's, it's no world's end. Fives. Uh, other runners up, gentlemen. I had uh, two other besides the um, the Wrath of Khan one that Kelly didn't choose. Um, there's in the Breakfast Club uh, <laughs> since they're in a library. There's a moment where um, uh, Judd Nelson is sitting there on the desk and he's reading through a book of poem or a book of plays, and he says, "Yeah, I know Mole really pumps my nads." And um, and the nerd says, Moliere, I love his work. And then Josh, uh, Judd Nelson throws the book at him. (laughs) Um, And the other one is, um, there's this great little moment at the beginning of Sideways where he, where Miles is teaching his class and these kids are reading, I think it's a separate piece. But yeah, it's definitely a separate piece. Yeah. And, uh, and I love that moment with, with kids trying to handle literature and him <laughs> sitting there just like, Oh God. <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, Fred bow. Wait, Lynn's the girl one and Fred's the guy, right? At ninth gate at the beginning, I like when Jenny Depp goes to that dude's house, and the guy is in a wheelchair because he can't talk anymore, and he's like, yeah, this is all really super expensive, but I'll take these cheap-ass Don Quixote's off your hands, first edition. And then you like see him clench his wheelchair arms angrily because he knows he's getting shafted by Johnny Depp. And you're making fun of me for remembering Oblivion. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Don Quixote is a book I remember the name of. Ergo, you and your little Tom Cruise... <laughs> butt buddy party have no place in my library wing. I love that. Not up in here. Butt buddy party. <laughs> Kelly wants speaking of <sighs> yes. alliteration. I don't know. Uh, what is? Uh, what do you have for us for next week's three by three? Well, I'm glad you asked, Thomas. Yes, Kelly please. In honor of Valentine's Day coming up, I thought we'd go with the traditional and uh, three best scrotal injuries. <sighs> We've done lasers. There's not much left. <laughs> well, I'm already, I, I know I said I had a good one. I've mentioned one of mine on this podcast already. Yeah, I know. Just, Seriously. 
Struggle to choose. Struggle to choose that one. I, I, I foresee a lot of talk about idiocracy. <laughs> Spoiler. Oh, sorry. I'm not taking that off the table just for that. It's back on the table. Dusting it off. Ten so, seconds. That is the three by three for reals. Yeah. I had a good one, and now I don't, so it's this. <laughs> You're going to use that one instead of the good one. Okay, fair enough. Uh, all right, if you have any picks for the 3x3, three three, please send them in. We love Wait, say it, just so the kid, they know the topic. So we next week's topic is three uh, your three favorite scrotal injuries or uh, attacks to the groin or that sort of thing in a movie. Like um, your punishments. Yep. Uh, Wait, uh, you, the Chinatown thing wasn't scrotum, was it? <laughs> Although, yeah, it was. Well, if you and put your balls across the nose. Tom. You started it, Kelly Wand. Uh, so if you have any picks for your favorite instances of scrotal injuries in a movie, send them to 3 by 3 at quarter2three.com. The number 3, the letter X, the number 3, at, and you spell out quarter2three.com. Uh, also, go see I, Frankenstein, because we're going to, and we would love for you to join us in a conversation about it. Is it Will Smith again? Mm, I'm pretty sure this I robot is a part of the I series. Oh, I see what you're doing. I, I didn't get that. Robot, right. I Frankenstein. Right. Uh, yeah, he, he played I Gore. Yeah. I man with X-ray eyes. Get it? Very good. So see that we'll be talking about it. We'll be doing our three by three of best scrotal injuries. I am Tom Chick. I've been joined by uh, Christian Mijinsky. It's Christian Morosky and Kelly Wand. I I. <laughs> 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 Tom, you look tired. <laughs> Say it, Tom. La, What's uh, the line? Uh, I don't. Don't leave Dingus hanging. No, the, the line is. <laughs> oh, that's what. Well, this is in all the movies, Dingus. That's the one with, with to Joan Allen. But this also ends, I believe, all of them. So yeah, I yeah. didn't know which one you were going for. Yeah. But thanks for comparing me to Joan Allen. You're welcome. Well, Dingus, I guess we said things again. Man, left, in, right, twist, click.